Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. We assemble a crew of misfits for a grand adventure. It's Dungeons and Dragons, honor among the thieves on Normies Like Us. What a profound joy it is. We're facing the greatest evil the world has ever known. We help the wrong person steal the wrong thing. Anything you want to add? The bridge is protected by an ancient trap. We must not trigger the mechanism. I may have triggered the mechanism. So, sorry. You heard it up top. We are back with a special one this week because things are going a little medieval as we talk the fantasy epic in theaters right now that's right it's dungeons and dragons honor among thieves here on normies like us your hosts uh colin the bard uh mike and kynan uh and this is uh jolga <laughs> the barbarian <laughs> hello jolga um hello, hello jolga you know we're uh we're here eating a potato you know got a <laughs> short attention span let's say We'll get into all of it, all things in that <laughs> honor among thieves. Uh, but D and D boys, you know we've uh, we've been known to dabble, right? You know, so uh, yeah, so I, I think we've done just a full on episode talking about our personal kind of adventures playing the games. But just to remind normies, we mm-hmm. we do partake in of it, right, guys? Uh, Mike, you're yeah. a, a dungeon master of sorts. Well, I'm sitting yeah. here with two dungeon masters oh. that have both dungeon mastered for me before so that's right you guys are the the experts here right right well technically there can only be one dungeon master so we'll have to uh, do a lightning oh, duel shit. but uh for yeah, now we're, we'll do an episode um <laughs> and i i never dm'd until actually after colin did colin you know you could expand on it but you kind of got us back into it maybe 10 years ago and then after that i started running a game uh, that we were running for a little while, uh, but then they, we kind of stopped uh, February 2020, right when pandemic hit, and it's been mm. slow going getting it uh, back uh, up to speed. So I would love to start playing again. We did do a little Baldur's Gate. Maybe we'll hear that in this movie. Yeah. For a little bit. Hey. Uh, and I've been 3D well, printing a ton of stuff, you know, so. You oh, have. Yeah. You you made us I some really to, cool things, wow. too. Oh, my you God. Yes. He's yeah, showing so a dice tower. If you're listening to the audio, you yeah. need to go to our YouTube channel and check out what Mike is holding in front of the camera right Jesus now. Jesus, Louisa. Uh, right. It is a, a dice tower that he 3D printed that is a tower. and Like an I Elden mean, Ring ice crystal tower spiral yeah. staircase. Anyway, and I have really a lot of... I love it. And I just haven't used them. So I've been intending to. And this is now... This movie was really fun. So anyway... That's where That's we're at. Right. We've all played. I played when I was yeah. a kid. We play now and we want to do it more. Colin. I, I, I just want to comment very quickly on what you said of uh, why your party disbanded, Mike. You know, you kind of hear two things of, yeah, COVID killed us playing D&D or the opposite where people say, oh, I, you know, I had more time online than ever to put up virtual mm-hmm. sessions. We were just kind of never that crew. I, I've never really experimented or played around with online Dungeons and Dragons, and, and never really had a taste for it, honestly. Yeah, Listen, guys, I would love to play more D anD D with with either of you guys. And I mean, with our with Mike with our game, we almost started it back up 
you know, late last last kind of fall back in 2022, mm-hmm. and I even uh, <laughs> created my character in Hero Forge, 3D printed that. So I'm ready yep. to go uh, with my, my character, the best model. I'm ready. Yeah, we we have we have this stuff. It, I guess. Ready to go. We just need to make it happen. We've always been more into the tactile. Colin, you always did great, you know, setups with your arenas and like little uses of, you know, um, Lego figurines and these things that you would build, you know, little trees and stuff. It it was really inspiring. And then when I got a 3D printer, it's like, I'm going to do that. But maybe virtual is possible one day as well. But something about rolling the dice around a table with your friends. It's really magical. I'd still love to do an in-person one if we can set it up sometime. But both you guys, the way you ran campaigns, very creatively, uh, sort of home brewing, mixing in things, not you know strictly following D and D lore, which we're going to be talking about more in this video with this movie. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm excited. That's that's going to be some weird stuff. Absolutely, Jake. Yeah, but I I would like to transition then to say you know there's something about playing with your friends and all these hijinks and you know crazy stuff going on and you know without getting too far ahead, I think this movie does a good job of capturing the vibe of going on a crazy campaign with your buddies and joking Absolutely. around a table and yes. stuff. Even though it's set in world, it, it has that energy. And I think that's it has a great cool party though. composition. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm excited to talk about all of it. Yeah, I'll so say, you, uh, yeah. I'll, 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 us off and say let's let's talk about our journey to the theaters i'll say i went with a great party jacob i went with you to hey. see this film as i typically do uh right. and no young teenagers bugging us this time all a scream but i do want to shout out the one weird thing we did see was a commercial for this movie that yes. was like a, a weird pre-roll did you have this mic where it was an I interview with the cast too. being like hello which is so it was happy. like well, started you as, came to see the movies. There was like a, a weird 3D thing. Yes, behind the, like it was like a 3D effect of a dragon behind the screen, and then it was like oh. breathing behind, and it was like protruding from the the canvas of the actual screen. Yes, and yes, then it I goes to that. the cast. Uh, and they say a little thing, and then the actual movie starts. I thought that was very strange too. But they were very much, yeah. Thank you for coming to see the movie in a theater. Yes. Seriously, you thank heroes. you. You're the You're, real yeah. heroes. <laughs> for spending really dollars. Hugh Grant truly seeming like a zombie. That like I want to say that you're the real heroes. <laughs> like, oh yeah. wow, they woke him up for this. He had some interesting interviews too, where he was a little maybe cranky and didn't want to be answering questions. But you know, yeah. We'll, we'll, Get into his role, but that, that was he very also bizarre. had what he called a Christian Bale moment on the set of this film, Mike, in that he screamed at someone and was very mean to them. So <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I could see out of you know everyone in the kind of cast kind of taking this just as a paycheck, and uh, yeah, you know, well, we'll see, it's weird though. He but, seems like you know, yeah, like sometimes you'll meet a nice guy and they turn out to be the villain, so it's it's wild. Mm, um, wow. But I, I think I am a hero because I did go to the movie theater to watch this. I ended up going to an AMC where they were trying to. I went on a quest. I needed to retrieve the uh, D20 of popcorn holding. Uh, it's a promotional oh giant D20. I made that name up. I've heard uh, about this. <laughs> yeah. So they, they were a promotional popcorn thing only at AMCs. You get these big ass D20 dice. And I've seen them all over eBay for like a couple hundred bucks. People are snatching them up and putting their D&D dice in it. And I said, you know what? Wow. I'm going to try to go to the AMC and just see what happens. And I go there, and lo and behold, I was successful in my quest. And also, we have retrieved. Wow. That is amazing. Big boy. 
It's a big boy. I ate the entire thing. How popcorn goes in there? Yeah. Latch. I love that. Yeah, it's actually. How much did that cost to buy? So this was $34.99 with popcorn in it. (laughs) Wow. Unlimited refills. Sure, absolutely. So I'm the real hero. Five times. (laughs) I'm simulating the theater economy. Uh, You're welcome. We'll put this right Absolutely. But how are your crowds? Oh, that looks That looks amazing. Hey, thank you. Thank you. It's like so big, detailed. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. it's pretty. I mean, maybe not thirty four ninety nine, but I think for the sentimentality and being as a fan of D anD D and playing the games, you put all your dice in there. I think it's going to be great. But I could have yeah. got two. I should have got two because you can sell them on eBay, and I was not thinking straight. Oh, but that's because I'm a that. hero and not a villain. I'm not doing this for profit. You know, come on. Right. Yeah, you're um, going to split the uh, the loot among the townspeople. All the theater uh, goers will get the piece of popcorn. This is for you. Uh, how are your honestly, crowds? How was it? You could pour that thing into the garbage, and, and you'd be filling it back up, and you would make your money. So it's like, That's true. Um, they asked you, do you want popcorn in it or on the side? I said, you know you're putting it in there. I'll wash it out later. <laughs> and again, <laughs> I'm not going to eat out of this? Audio yeah. Go to our YouTube. Check this out. You're going to yes. want to see this. Very important. Mm-hmm. It is. You can only see be it jealous. on video. Um, here's how our audience was. Uh, we did a matinee as we like to do a Sunday matinee. Um, and those have been sold out in the past. Would you agree, Jacob? Sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes mostly full. This one may be a third, right? This one. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't completely dead, but it wasn't, it was definitely less than half full theater. Um, I think that might've just been because of the time and like, because I I do I have read people were looking into John Wick dog I don't know but I've read a little about you know how it's how its opening weekend was and it's doing pretty well so I feel good about it yeah mm-hmm. but what about you good. Mike how was your audience size I you know I, I ended up going to the Grove here in L A because uh, I usually don't go to AMC but I had to and I'm like there's no chance you're going to get one of these at the Grove in L A first of all if you want to feel unattractive just go to the Grove in like sweatpants like I did to watch D and D on the Sunday afternoon because everyone's got their Sunday best on but anyway uh, they had Holga's costume there which was neat uh, to, to check it out after the movie because I didn't have frame of reference and then after you come out but it was a mostly full crowd I was in an IMAX theater just on accident because it had a showtime around when I wanted to go so 90% capacity and everybody loved it honestly the person next to me wow. afterwards was like so what do you think about it because he saw my popcorn thing and he was geeking out he's like what is that I'm like yeah I've been playing D&D forever he's like oh I never played it I just want to watch the movie so he seemed to ah. like, he, him and his girl were cracking up like even non-fans yeah. were having a good time with this so well, I will say you know in our theater even though it wasn't completely full I think the audience was enjoying it yes. laughing at the jokes really getting into it. I also talked yeah. to my sister she saw this on Thursday night and she doesn't know, you know, really anything about D&D and she loved it and she went with her friends and they loved it. So, you know, everyone that's seeing this thing is having a good time. Hey. 91% critic score, 93% audience score. It is getting a lot of love. Yo, yeah. that's high. I didn't really, really expected that. it to be, right? Yeah. So hey, shocking for me, certainly. I remember yeah. when cast photos sort of came out of like people filming and stuff. And it, I just remember thinking like Michelle Rodriguez, like dresses a barbarian, like boy, I just don't think this is going to work. I'm going to go ahead and shout out. She's my favorite part of this movie. I'm so excited. Let's jump into it. Let's talk D and D honor among thieves. Yeah. I'm just going to roll for initiative real quick. <laughs> 15. Ooh. That's a good number. <laughs>
We're back here on Normies Like Us, where Mike just rolled up a hell of an initiative. And that's a good sign, because we're talking Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves here. We're talking the role-playing game. We've yes. said it. This is the one. It's the granddaddy. The originator. The pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Pen, pencil and paper. Gary Gygax is going like, what? what's this J.R. Tolkien guy writing about? Elves and dwarves? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take one of those. I'll take one of those. Okay, what if you could put points into how they talk and did things and people right. are like yeah i'd love to do that right well, i want to ask you guys before we get into the plot of the game like mm-hmm. what's your background with knowing you know specifically dungeon and dragons lore owl bears you know the red wizards of thay are you familiar with any of these things as dms yourselves that mm. is such an amazing question now you pointed out up top a homebrew now a homebrew for those listening who don't know is your own set of rules when you play Dungeons and Dragons, which is a group sort of imagination or hallucination scenario, it's like improv with dice. Yeah, the fun is coming up with the improv, Mike. Now, the 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 barrier to entry that you hear from people a lot of times is like, "Well, okay, well, I wouldn't know how to do that." You would be shocked to hear that when you get the Dungeons Master's Guide or or these other things that set up the game and all that stuff, there are campaigns like like you guys keep mentioning there is true storylines where you can go okay you can be five random characters who do an adventure everyone else has done now my background history with that is that i really have not done those since i was like eight years old right like since Mm -hmm. then pretty much every game i've done i don't know about you mike but has the fun has been just coming up with it yeah, making yeah. your own world, making your own story and characters and referencing other things and like, you know, making it your own, using it as a baseline, right? You can take the monsters and things like, oh, there's there's gremlins or whatever. I don't know if gremlins is a thing, but no, but you could make uh, one probably quite gremlins. easily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what cool a lot world. of, you know, once you sort of graduate from you understand how the game works, you can kind of use it that way and make your own story. Yeah, so a lot of people do do homebrew. A lot of some of the the most popular, you know, YouTubers are doing like homebrew stuff and you know live play. I've Critical only done. Role. Yeah, um, some of their stuff might be canon because I know like uh, uh, Joe Manganiello stole the hand of Vecna at one point. Everybody knows Vecna. Mm. From oh, sure. things. So they might do a little Vecna, bit of both. The Demogorgon, these things from Stranger Things, they are real D D name wow. so shout out to stranger things because this would not get made i don't think if that show didn't get D like kind of going again maybe you know who knows yeah, you might be right but I, I uh i never we we do homebrew too you know uh but i do use the creatures and i have the monster manual so there's several things yes. that i recognized for sure right now, now. I have in the past said one of my great joys as a child was getting the J.R. Tolkien bestiary, which was just his little drawings of all the little monsters that were came up. Since I was a kid, I would ask for specifically just the monster manual and then just come up with all my own stuff because I love looking at the monsters and things like beholders, displacer beasts, wink, wink, yep, yep. all these other things, Jacob, that to me is Dungeons and Dragons. That's the yeah. stuff that I get fun and excited about. Now, the Red Wizards of Fae. <laughs> now, as a yeah. guy who has been playing Dungeons and Dragons probably for, I would say, 21 years, maybe. Not super familiar with 
storylines no. like that. No, no. Like I know who Morton Kynan is when they his name gets dropped in the movie, but uh, like that was just because there's a player handbook called Morton Kynan's Tone of Foams. Foes. I don't know anything about the main lore. I know the proper nouns right. like Neverwinter, Baldur's Gate, but yeah, this is all yeah, kind of new. That's what, How about you? That's yes. what I'm familiar with is like the places, the names of the places. And actually, I primarily know that not from playing D&D, but from the video games that are based on D&D, such as Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, Icewind yep. Dale, these old uh, CRPGs that uh, I like to play and nerd out about, which use the you know Advanced Dungeons & Dragons like second edition rule set in a video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, of course, we have Baldur's Gate 3, which kind of revived the series 20 years later. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, so that's where I recognize, you know, Baldur's Gate, which those games are set in the Forbidden Realms campaign setting, which is what mm-hmm. this movie is set in, which is the world of Faerun, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's where you hear these names like Baldur's Gate. The prison they're in in the beginning is Icewind, like is in Icewind Dale, which is like that snowy region they're in. Okay. So, that's so cool. Yeah. So it's a lot of, you know, old references to those games, which I really appreciate. I think that's cool because even if you don't catch all of them, at least for me, there was enough that like pretty much every scene there would at least be something that I was familiar enough with to be like, ah, that's a hobgoblin. Ah, that's a this or that. And even the names yeah. of the spells, like it was very rich for that as a D&D fan. But I think also to reiterate, this seemed to be a lot of fun for non-D&D fans as well. The audience scores reflects that. But um, should yeah, we jump just, into it? it? Or yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Jacob. Yeah, I, just to, I just want to agree with you that there's a lot of Easter eggs and references, but they're not it's not necessary to know anything about them to enjoy this movie. No. And I want to say also, probably before we jump into it, we're going to spoil everything. I think it's so good that you should pause this and go watch it. If you have, it. please. Like, yeah. We'll just say up top. We all I'm really very worried and would recommend <laughs> yeah. it. It's a very fun movie. And, uh, I think this should continue. Be a hero. Yeah, absolutely. Be a hero. I think this is very, very good stuff. Not to spoil we're, my rating. We're going to dive in. We're going to get a bunch of examples of this, but I want to say up top now, that this is, above all else, a comedy film. It's a comedy medieval adventure film. Mm-hmm. And Jacob, I want you to say what you said about how it's not Marvel-y meta humor. Well, I think it's sort of it's sort of influenced by Marvel, but it's it's humor that works within the setting of the universe. And I think it's it's humor that respects like the character and the world that it's in. And you know, you don't have that modern kind of quipping that even something like willow that we enjoyed to compare willow to this uh similar kind of a dnd party going willow breaks the fourth wall yeah you're absolutely right sometimes i feel like this is actually a lot better written than willow uh in that would agree there's a lot of humor in here and there is like quipping but it's it's a way that respects the the world that they're in i think and And i read oh yeah well, I read a great article, Mike, on Slash Film that said, and what the D&D film gets right about Dungeons & Dragons is, it is a comedy film. Because what you do when you're in the sessions of, all right, Jacob, the the hobgoblin is running at you and he's got his cleaver up, but like he falls on his way. What do you do? You're asking your friends to like, like buy in and yeah. have fun. And I know we keep saying improv and I know that that again sounds like a barrier to this, but it's the the comedy aspect comes from you just like being silly and having fun. it's not you doing and anything you necessarily funny. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. playing your character like if yes. like in you know in the first game that the first campaign that that we had Colin I was a barbarian and I played him as a very kind of like cocky aggressive guy. Yes. We try to get in fights even when he kind of gets mm-hmm. humiliated in in a in a funny way. And I think the 
the improv there is in, in talking to these NPCs, which are played by you, the DM, and as your character kind of questioning uh, NPCs and interacting with them and stuff. And like, that's where the, the comedy kind of comes out of from playing yes. with your friends. Yeah. And just randomness that can happen when you're rolling dice. I think this movie captures, like I said, most purely, like what a campaign is from like the beginning to the end of like, here's our characters to fighting the big bad. Like this feels like a whole D and D campaign in one movie. And you get something yeah. like you, there's a character who slips and, you know, there's a graveyard that scene that was teased a you know, minor spoiler in the trailers there's a guy who slipped and broke his neck on a bathtub it's like yeah that guy just rolled a one he just rolled a one on getting out of the bathtub and right. now something funny happened because of it you know <laughs> uh, and great. sometimes That's that so happens true. too you know so yes the randomness can create moments of humor and this movie can capture that spirit very well they definitely have a love and a knowledge i think of the source game and i think it comes yes. through in the writing and yes. the scenarios and even the pacing and yeah one last thing before we start getting into the mm -hmm. details of the plot. Um, like you said, it's a comedy and we should shout out the directors of this. Oh movie. yes. Uh, and well, first of all, I want to ask Mike, cause I know Colin, you already know this, but are you familiar with a show called freaks and geeks that was on about 20 years ago? The original stranger things you might say mm. in that there was an episode <laughs> where they played D and D in the eighties. It's a movie about the eighties, uh, or okay. movie, but series set. Um, so have you, are, are you familiar with that at all? I'm familiar as being like an early like Michael Sarah and like Judd Apatow crew thing, right? Uh, or Michael Sarah's not in it, but James Franco is in it. Seth Sorry. Rogen is in it. That's right. Yeah, those, Linda Cardellini was like the main character and her brother was played by a guy named John Francis Daly. Uh, okay. He was the original, um, you know, Stranger Things kid and that him and his friends were like the the, the freaks and the geeks and they played D and D and did nerd stuff in the eighties. And okay. that kid grew up and directed this movie. Amazing. Francis Daly, as well as Jonathan Goldstein, the directing duo. Uh, they also made the vacation uh, remake as well as the movie game night, which got a lot, of, you know, good reviews. Game night's uh, good. about gaming. Yeah. They know what's up. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> they like gaming, Mike. <laughs> and they also are familiar with the experience. Uh, yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming, right, oh. Colin, as well as the Horrible Bosses movies. So they're yeah. kind of based based in the comedy world, right? So they bring a lot of comedy chops to this movie. Yeah. But I just think yeah. that's interesting that kid grew up to make a D&D &D movie. An amazing point. I, I love that for him. There's a, a social media post that they put out now with him, Martin Starr, and the other man whose name I apologize, I do not know, but the original uh, freak, or I'm sorry, geek trio Yes. Uh, uh, returning to the same game 20 years later to promote this movie. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yes. That is I really, really that. awesome. But yeah, let's just um, jump into it, I guess. I mean, I, I yeah. kind of... Hell yeah. Let's break it down like a campaign, right? You know, this is our first <laughs> session, you know, because there's so many little adventures in this. It, it goes at such a breakneck pace. I feel like this is what Rise of Skywalker could have been if they... Because mm. you go to a ton of places, but it feels like there's just the right number of beats and payoff in each little one that it doesn't feel sure. like we're going too fast. And I just think it's, it's lovely. Um, so our intro, our first session is uh, the prison break where we introduce kind of our first main characters. And I just want to say before we get into the prison, I love the opening here where we get Ooh, yes. a spooky wagon and it's very dark. It's like, is this Game of Thrones? We get a, what I presume is a hobgoblin prisoner and everybody's being so careful. <laughs> they chain him to the ground and there's a track that he must follow. Prisoner moving, right? And it's like, this guy's a badass. And, and then he gets taken to his cell where he meets his new cellmates and, and we're getting this dark, brooding tone and then they're about to flip it but mike it's not just the tone 
practical. Oh, it's yeah. a guy in a costume and it who's looks playing great. this monster. As it, good as the Lord of the Rings. Doors swinging open and like rising like they do. I'm like, that looks amazing. It's not CG. The horse is coming in. I'm like, that looks amazing. It's not yeah. CG. The linking to the basement of this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these these chains, this weird little prison system has. I'm like, that looks amazing. It's not 3D. Mm-hmm. No, we get a lot of practical here. 150 million, and they get a lot out of it. So I think it looks great, but they're starting to set you up like, oh, this is going to be a dark, brooding, you know, like. But it's for serious. nothing. We don't come yeah. back to any of this stuff for even another second, Mike. So the Which fact is the that you're putting D&D this thing much ever. money into it, I love it. I love it. <laughs> right. And how many campaigns have started with a prison break? Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect you're, way to get your party together. They all meet in prison or something, and then they break yep. out. Um, so we yeah, meet so our first two characters here. Comes into his new cell, and he meets uh, Edgin, Edgin the Bard and Holga the Barbarian. Oh, right? my uh-huh. God. And Edgin is sitting. So this is where, like, I'm going to get super annoying, and I know no. that I'm going to rewatch this 5,000 times like I have The Suicide Squad because I'm like, oh, this is one of the best scripts I've seen in a modern blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're introduced to Edgin knitting right he's making these little knitting things perfect character beat where as a screenwriter you're like what's a funny way to introduce our funny character in an intimidating setting he's doing something innocuous like knitting something right that's Mm -hmm. so atypical of like a straight hero in an action blockbuster thing this is great chris pine and i think this is a brilliant decision uh, to cast chris pine as the most handsome character charismatic person in existence and it's good and he's making comedy beats where he's like turning to olga and he's going like you know what forget the fingers i'm not gonna do gloves i'm gonna make admittance and he's just like blowing it he's so intense like you're getting character stuff where it's like this guy is meticulous he's a planner and then Later, when you realize for two years he's been working on these as a gift to his daughter, and that's what it's all about. It's even better right. character beat. It's it's such the writing is just top notch. It's so good, guys. And if I may, Colin, yes. having fingers was plan A, but mitten was plan B. <laughs> and we'll get into yeah. that as we go along. Even better, plan right? Plan C would be if he put the figures back, Mike. It'd be great. Yeah, right. Incredible. So it's we love it. We love it. And Chris Pine is lovely in this role. Yeah. Yes. Not only does it set up his character perfectly, I think it sets up our main duo's relationship. Yes. Between Edgin and Holga, played by Michelle Rodriguez, sets up their dynamic uh, where this guy starts like this hobgoblin. You know, he sees this this woman in prison. Mm. He's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Trying to tough guy intimidate. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to tough guy. And she easily just like kills him right i think she kills him i believe no, she, she kills definitely him. kills <laughs> him yeah um right. and then later when they're fighting you see kind of their dynamic is like oh chris pine is is like you know oh, we'll, we'll get to that well i'm, I'm yeah, they, they are about, partners yeah. and equals sex means nothing to them aka sex as gender means nothing to them yeah, i should a say platonic friendship with no hint of romance between mm-hmm. them but they're just two really good friends one one male, one female. With infinite You don't respect. see that very often in movies like this. Where yes. You know, they're just a platonic friendship. And, and it gets even better as see, we go along. You know, the depth yes. of their relationship. Yeah. Oh, and it, it just gets better and better. It's incredible. Yes. And let's introduce on. our character classes while we can. It, it, we have a bard, uh, quote unquote, in uh, Edgin. I, I, I'll debate that later as we go. Rogue, maybe, with uh, a proficiency in loot. But definitely yeah, Michelle Rodriguez just, is a barbarian. <laughs> Yeah, he does more than just bard stuff. 
but he does play the lute a lot and sing. Yeah, uh, and but you can just be proficient that. in an instrument. He doesn't do magic with the lute, but that's getting into D and D weeds. No, he doesn't but do traditional I, bard magic. Yeah, he definitely does inspiring word or charm person potentially subconsciously. He's because he, he's a very he's a charismatic. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. yeah. As we find but, he's part of the Harper's Legion or something. Which and is we like find out why he's in jail now because they have an appeal to get out of prison. Yes. They're chopping <laughs> ice blocks. So during the appeal, we get the backstory of how how do we get here. Yes. Jonathan, now, who we love. <laughs> this was yeah. another thing where immediately when this film was over, I was like, Jacob, that's one of the best written scenes I've ever seen in my life. You yeah. get the setup when they're doing ice pick chores, right? And you're seeing again, Tholga does the hard work. Ed kind of just pokes at the ice and sings. <laughs> yeah. We're building up our characters more. It's this incredible ice shot. We're basically never going to see this practical location again. It's like uh-huh. astounding how it's shot. It's beautiful. There's monsters in the background too. It's great. Yep. Next, we go to their parole. And it's one of those cool hand Luke setup of like, he's excited because this person's on the parole board. You as audience member go like, of course, he has paid off this person. And he begins to tell, he's (laughs) waiting for this guy. He begins to tell this board his backstory, quote unquote. Yeah. He literally says, I'm going to share my backstory. How else could you relate to me if you didn't know my backstory? Mm-hmm. Something you do in your first session. Yeah, and yep. it's essentially an exposition scene. So we get his background and Holga's, what they were doing in prison, everything leading up to where we are now. And it's a good way for you know the movie to fill us in on what's going on. And meanwhile, he keeps interrupting and say. Is, is, is Jonathan here? Like, Are Jonathan should really be positive here. Positive <laughs> he's not. This is a story that I just know Jonathan would love. And again, as an audience member, you're like, oh, he needs to bribe this guy. What a great scene. This is great. Yep. Now, past all the good stuff we get, he's lost his wife. His wife has died to a Red Wizard's blade. She can't be resurrected. We're getting these things. He didn't really like his life as a quote unquote Harper, this, this guild of secret spies, right? Spies uh, basically that are bar like play musicians but they also do spy stuff while they're musicianing which is a good cover for them but he also mm-hmm. has a daughter so he, he becomes a single father of this daughter trying to raise her that's when he meets holga she helps raise his daughter that's why they're such good friends they have this bond she was mm-hmm. banished from yeah. her barbarian tribe because of her love interest being uh outside of her uh class or something you could say almost yeah. or her character race right mike yeah, they don't, they don't, their clan is really strict about any type of outsider, even if, you know, so yeah, no go there. And then they, they meet, um, Forge there, they get a crew together. They have the bumbling sorcerer played by, um, um, Justice Smith. We'll get more on him later, but he's in the crew. He's kind of a learning, maybe a level one or two sorcerer. Uh, right. we get Forge who's like a con man and then they get wind of a, a big score in this vault that they have a, a sponsor that wants them to go grab this thing. But also in there is a talisman or totem of resurrection. And Chris yes. Pine is thinking I can get my wife back. And so they agree to do this job only it doesn't go as planned. And uh, him and Holga end up getting caught if you want to go into that. And is in fact why they're in prison. So again, we're interrupting the story over and over again, but who comes through? It's Jonathan. <laughs> now, this <laughs> is what I would have called a Karu or a Kisu is what I think they were always called. What is this race type, Mike? Now it's an Aracorcra. An Aracorcra. Fascinating. But yeah. sort of like the, the winged men or the bird men, right? 
Yeah, like full wings. Person. It's a whole yeah. bird person. There's a dragonborn on the on the board too, so they're getting yes. practical effects. But Jonathan they rolls up great. full yep. on practical. He comes up. They say, "We're so excited to see you." Uh, he says, "Holga, now they enact their plan." <laughs> she starts beating people up. They grab Jonathan, and just because he's a bird, they jump <laughs> out a window with his body. <laughs> yeah. So they circumvent the, the entire thing. The plan that they have been building toward is so absurd. But like Jacob said earlier. The comedy is coming from them going, this is Dungeons and Dragons. What would you do in a Dungeons and Dragons movie to progress the plot forward? And it's so original and so hilarious and so interesting. I am just blown away by it. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, if you were playing and you're like, uh... You know, I grab Jonathan. I th- is there a window in this room? Right, well, to, Mike, you said Jonathan is like a bird man. Yeah, he's a bird man. How, I how grab far the bird is the man, room? I jump out the window and I say, fly or you die, bird man. <laughs> right. Roll 20. Oh, looks like. You oh, it that. worked. <laughs> it's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Do I have enough movement to get to the window? Uh, yeah, you do. I'm jumping out with Jonathan. What? All right. Roll for it. And it works. And, like if Jacob's character is like, I jump out too. I, I grab his legs as well. Yeah, and, and and then you know the payoff too is like, but we granted your pardon, so it's totally yeah, that unnecessary. That is the window. They say, but it's what players would do. Only later, <laughs> yeah. when I was talking to my brother, did he text me that that's what the end of the joke was because I was laughing oh. so hard, Mike. Yeah. That is such a perfect scene. <laughs> so but we approved your pardon. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And now they're wanted anyway. <laughs> Hilarious. So already you had like two misdirections of like, oh, you thought he was paying Jonathan off. And then you get the misdirection of they were going to grant their pardon anyway. It's it's really good <laughs> it's, writing. Right? It's really And tough. it sets the tone of what happens at a D&D table. Because another group yes. would maybe just sit there and talk to them and plead their case and get away. But the type of campaign we're doing, we're grabbing Jonathan and jumping out a window. Yeah. Get What's ready. my yeah. diplomacy skill? No, no, no. What is my performance mixed with trickery skills? Can I grapple I'm, him? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm rolling and this we've all shit. Been yeah. with wild cards. You're like, I go up to this NPC and just punch him in the face. You know, yes, or something like yes. that. Like, people it's, do that in, in D&D. Yeah, well, we the whole town's a... against you now. And it's like, oh, oh. The concept of murder hobos, essentially, is player characters yes. who just go around fighting, doing all this crazy stuff, unhinged, unhinged, and we get flavors yeah. of that kind of idea. Well, you don't do that, but like the idea of players no. doing the unexpected and jumping out the window with Jonathan, like you said, Colin, that set up most unexpected thing and perfectly sets up the tone for, for this adventure we're going on. And Jonathan was okay. He didn't, he didn't really No, no, he hurt. was able to fly. They literally ask. They say he's <laughs> okay and they go, great, then we did good. And they get up and leave and it sets up that our two lead characters for this film are a platonic couple that just broke out of prison and you're like i'm fucking in this is great right they're rogues they're thieves but they're you know good people at the end of the day they're not trying to hurt innocent people yeah it also kind of establishes that yes um so so immediately back you know yeah priority one right dope title sequence this is a dope title sequence in our second session if this was a DD thing you'd say okay prison break good job everybody see you next week this now we're going to return to Neverwinter. I want to go see what's going on with my daughter. They find out that Forge has somehow amassed a fortune after their little adventure because Forge was able to escape. The sorcerer escaped and so did the sponsor. So like, okay, let's go see what Forge is doing. He's in a position of power. He'd probably help us out. He's got my daughter. I told him to protect her. So that's what they do. They go to Neverwinter to see what's going on. And that's kind of the second right. session here. Yeah, and we find out Forge has been... Uh, caring, you know, t- being a caretaker to uh, Edgin's daughter, Uncle Forge. Uh, <laughs> but they, we also find out that he is actually, spoiler alert, not really a good guy and Mm-mm. has been lying to uh, Kira, Edgin's daughter, about him and about 
why he was doing that quest. He told her it was like the the rune of wealth, not the rune yeah. of resurrection or whatever. Um, so you would say that, and coins would just like fall from the sky, Jacob. I guess so. Yeah, good. So there, cool. yeah, <laughs> I could use that. Yeah, have you played D I'm sure coins <laughs> might fall from the sky in one way or another. I think. That's but, true. Uh, but we he also see. Yeah, gaslights and um, says, "Hey, your dad's an asshole," and she's kind of turned on him. He's turned yes. his daughter against him, and and you know, yes, it's, it's rough for them. So it's true. And again, he's you know, been he's in prison for man. two years. He's coming back with the mittens as the gifts, and like she says, you're not taking any blame or responsibility for the fact that it went wrong. Your heist, the heist, should not have gone through to begin with. That is not mm-hmm. a respectable profession. She is right. Out. And he's yep. sort of a classic, like, deadbeat dad who's, like, trying to be better for his daughter archetype of a movie. Um, but Forge, he's a con man. He's he's not trustworthy, obviously. And also, the sponsor of this quest was a sorceress named Sophina, mm-hmm. uh, who we find out later, Twist, is actually part of the Red Sorcerers of Thay, which is sort of who Edgin had a beef with, if you remember from the beginning. Uh so it all kind of, kind of comes around that they're, you know, had this whole plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, now Forge is the Lord of Neverwinter under sort of mysterious circumstances. Um, and basically, they t- he kind of double crosses them and takes them. Hey, you're you know, wanted. Them you guys escape executed. prison, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's no good. So he's lying to his daughter. They go, he says, take him away. Um, they're about to be executed. And we see another great dynamic uh, of this relationship where they jump the, the people that are about to kill him. But Holga is just kicking ass, you know, fighting everybody. Meanwhile, uh, you Holga know, gains some loot. You know, she gets through this fight. She gets a new two handed battle axe or yes, something, basically. Yes. And it's like, yeah, let's level up our characters. Paraffin wax. What was it she was saying? Yeah. Oil. Yeah, she's asking trying to buy how to time the weapon before he kills her. And he's like, you know, I'm about to like chop your head off, right? And then w- later when she has the action, like, we need to get some and Egan's like, windseed oil. I know. I heard you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but, but this also is like a D and D thing where it's like I can see somebody saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to grab a brick and and fight them. Okay, roll, you know, and then. I'm going to try to get my ropes off with the steps. And like Edgen definitely rolls a one and she rolls a 20 because oh. she just yeah. destroys everybody. And he's just having the hardest time with the rope. Edgen's you know? doing it on the rock when there's a sword next to him. And then it cuts back That's to him and he's doing it on the sword and it's still not working. Yeah, he's trying yeah. to cut his ropes the entire time. She's kicking everyone's ass. It cuts to him occasionally. He's like, we're really got him on the ropes now. Yes. We're, we're, we're getting them. And yep. can we talk about fighting style? Because again, I, it turns out I'm in love with Michelle Rodriguez in this movie. Bro, what they great. choose to do is she does wrestling moves. Her combat against fool soldiers is I will punch them faceplate down. And you're like, okay, I will do a 619 at one point or mm-hmm. like like a, a running lariat. And you're like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. And again, grappling is a action you can take in combat right. so when she's suplexing fools like you could just can i pick him up and throw him yeah strength and check she kind of has <laughs> you know she kind of has an archetype that she plays a lot which is like the badass chick that's like you know a tough chick that's good at fighting and that's the, her role that she plays really well in fast and furious the the letty of it all <laughs> is interesting jacob because yeah. I, I i recently watched her i i wonder if it is her breakthrough but mike i recently rewatched the first resident evil where it's basically mm-hmm. top billing is mila jovovich and her right mm-hmm. um and it's gun combat and it's 
early 2000s. I mean, it doesn't look great, but she is standing out with the choreography. And Letty is a character. It's like, what does Letty do in the Fast and Furious franchises? She just kind of frowns at you and just kind of like accelerates or like, you know, turns hard as she's doing it. Yep. I got to say, the sort of like absent-minded this, but presence that she has in this, where she's like, I told you it was a deer, or like, I told you it was this thing, and she sort mm-hmm. of just like pushes her opinion forward while being wrong, while being very sweet and sincere. Yeah. Fucking loved her. I don't and know why. Another side of her very when different. You, when she goes to see her ex-husband and everything. Yes. Um. Yeah, a more kind of deeper character than at first is presented. And uh, yeah, I then, then Michelle Rodriguez ever gets to play. She doesn't get lines like this in Avatar. Yeah. No, no. I think really this is probably my favorite role of hers. Like physically she's crushing it. And then she does have more of an emotional arc. And it's yes. like really cool. Like the, her and, yes. and Chris Pine are a great like lead duo for this. Yeah. And she's, yes. also, yeah, she, she's like a surrogate mom to Edgen's daughter. And essentially no romantic strings. Her. It's a, it's no, a non-traditional family unit. It's my great. bug, my little love bug. Hey, bug. How are yeah. you, bug? And not to yeah. jump ahead too much, but the whole emotional mm-hmm. climax of this movie revolves around her character. Right? Yes, their relationship specifically. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Um, so so that's we get our big escape, right? It's actually, okay, you got out of the city. Great. Catch you next week. And now it becomes we need more help. We're going to go try we to team find up. It. Yeah, we just go get some buddies. We'll see if our sorcerer is still around. Uh, so that's step one and step two is we, they find another party member, but let's go step one here. What's, what's, uh, what's our sorcerer's name again? I forget. Is it Aaron, Aaron Elfric? What is it? Something. <laughs> Something. We'll look it up. Yeah. So let's start the story of the sorcerer discovery. Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Justice uh, Smith, a guy show. who I said to Jacob, once we got out of it, I was like, I tolerate him in movies that I like, but don't love like detective yeah. Pikachu, where I'm like, I'm not sure this is the guy who should be walking around with detective Pikachu, but an he American does an okay job doing a British accent, which we usually have the reverse of British people playing. Mm-hmm. Almost like you're at the table doing a bad <laughs> character accent, oh, right, Jacob? Yeah. I almost sure. wonder if that's what they're going for. And of course uh, I'll be the sorcerer. And you're like, Oh Dave, you're going to do that the whole time. Yeah. Now that you mentioned right. this, him and the next character we're going to introduce, it does feel like, are they the nerdy ones at the table? And he kind of had a crush yes. on her. And it, you know, it's a whole thing. Yes. But that's 100%. great. I never thought and about his that. His whole character arc is he Simon, by the way. doesn't have confidence Simon. himself. Simon, he he's, doesn't have self-confidence. He's not a very good sorcerer, but he he actually might be a good sorcerer if he just believed in himself a little bit. And that's kind of mm-hmm. his main arc. Correct, correct. And so, so sorcerer is different from wizard. Wizards read books. Sorcerers just kind of feel it out. Uh, in the D&D yes. world, a, a wizard has to study and have an intelligence stat. Sorcerers don't run the intelligence stat. It's wisdom, I believe. So, um, right. who, who has to prepare daily? Wizards. Wizards. A they sorcerer, he is a, he is a yeah. wild magic sorcerer, we should say. So he is drawing on the He's natural like tapping into the of conduit of yes. magic. Yeah, so it's That's a very cool. volatile. And, and uh, then, so we meet him, and what's he up to? Well, meet He's, him again. Yeah, he's doing he's sort of doing magic for people uh, as like a show, but he's also uh, using his magic to pickpocket them at the same time while distracting them with his magic doing, you know, thievery and whatnot. What do you think of the spells he's doing? Do you recognize any of these, Colin? Does any of this stand out to you? The the smell like grass. The (laughs) what is when he makes himself blurry. 
You can make okay. something smell or appear. You can create light. And then there's a, a spell called blur. These are all just shitty cantrips <laughs> that a level zero character can do. Right. They're yes. Really yes. bad cantrips. Totally. He, he later says, I could use telekinesis to get you over, but it's too far. He's using telekinesis to rob everyone you would imagine. Yeah. yeah. So he's just Later, doing this low level a, stuff. Yeah. Yes. Magic portal gun. <laughs> yes. That's cool. But he's, um, he's robbing these folks and Holga and, yeah. and Edgen show up like, hey, buddy. And he gets distracted, drops all the loot on the ground, and we get this fun action scene. Oh. I thought it was really yeah. fun. What do you think about all the villagers turning on him? And yeah, oh, I love the, the, the gravity thing's awesome. He comes to the party, of course, for avarice, which you have to give everybody these individual, well, I'm saving my daughter. Well, I'm getting our stuff yeah, back. Well, oh, I'm broke. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, that's, that is fun enough. That is all right. I need to get this guy in the crew. And that's D&D. Why are we all working together? I don't know. It's a good enough excuse. I need money. I'll go with you guys to do your thing, you know? But yeah. And he ran with them back in the day. Um, But they meet up and they start planning and they realize that they need a, they really need is a wild shape or a druid, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who can change into animals. He's like, I know a druid. Um, And it's someone, like you said, he has a crush on. And we meet our next member of our party, the is she a half tiefling? She's a tiefling. She's she's uh, a, she, raised, she raised says by she says she's a, a rare uh, tiefling born to humans, raised by wood elves, mm-hmm. is what she is described as. And I found that backstory to be like, and I'm I'm playing it where I'm not red, and at the table you're just like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> could, yeah could I follow this up? Because I've played tieflings before, and they can be any color, generally red. But um, sure. I like that you can have a random occurrence where if your family had intersected with infernal bloodline even if they're just two normal looking parents if that's in your bloodline a tiefling could happen so she gets right, abandoned like a, common backstory and then yeah, adopted by wood elves and then i'm ado- yeah. i have no parents and i'm adopted by wood elves here we go you know? uh, right or you could be like a a, a, a tribe mm-hmm. of wood elves that that has tails or something monkeys and has tails or something you know what that's but, the closest uh, thing we're gonna get because she does have a tail that's i don't know that i'd let that if i was the dm yeah she has um, uh tiefling horns and a tail but she has like human yes. colored skin mm-hmm. uh and she's played by sophia lillis who yes. was the beverly in the it movies we know yeah. from the it chapter films uh she, she's great she's not I would say given the most to do out of the entire party here, but she gets a lot of the visually stunning, very interesting stuff. And she's motivated. Yeah. Yeah. She's motivated because since uh, forge took over, he's deforesting in the name of industry, their little area. So there's some friction there and she wants to put a stop to that. She's Um, part of the Emerald Emerald Enclave. Yes. Yes. I love that you pick these things up too. These are great. I would have to imagine Mike. (laughs) I would say you're right. She doesn't have the most to do as a character, but she does get a lot of cool scenes of doing her druid ability, changing from animal to animal and doing a lot of things. Where I kind of really knew we were in trouble was much later, and we will talk about this, but during the attunement when Simon has to lean over to her and be like, Oh, that's Ed's backstory. And then later she's like, well, what's that part? He's like, that's also Ed's backstory where I'm like, we should have had scenes like talking about this way beforehand. But again, totally fine. I like everything that's going on. And I think by the end of the movie, every character does have at least one moment. And when you're doing a D&D session as a DM, you want to create opportunities to let your characters use their powers and really shine, yes. you know, and you want to create that. Yeah, moment. I, like. I think they at least do it enough here. When it makes sense why, characters. you know, they needed a druid, so they hire her kind of to go in with their, plan, with their plan because they need her abilities. Uh, yeah. And she's found out mention- immediately in this very cool sequence. Sorry to interrupt what you're about to set up. No, I want to set up this awesome sequence of so 
our Session sorcerer four, never Sophina. Went two. Yeah, that's right. Yes, uh, the actual red wizard that she is has set up this magical uh, vault by Morgan Canaan, as as Mike uh, mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, that's going to be part of these huge games, these sort of Olympic Coliseum style games later. That's going to house a ton of treasure. That's the big heist that this entire film is set around. Now, she is noticed immediately because you would have to imagine that Sophina has detect magic or, or mm-hmm. just rolled some incredible observation skill. Yeah. And we get this like, I don't know, like beast boy esque, like, like this scene that I would love yeah. to see in a superhero movie or something where just this endless animal wild shape changing that I just thought was awesome. Yeah. The really pseudo cool. one take is one of my favorite yes. moments in the movie. So yeah, Jacob, you yeah. can kind of describe it, but I, I love this because yeah, she gets discovered by Sophia. She's being a fly, you know, yeah, getting in there. She's disguised as a fly. She learns she where the vault like is and it's locked to, up. Right. Yeah. To different animals to end up as a deer. And that sets up, that also pays off another joke from earlier that Holka had. <laughs> um, and uh-huh. even her introduction, uh, she, you know, turns into an owlbear, which is an yeah. awesome scene. Yeah. Yes. See that in yeah. the trailer. I didn't know the owlbear would be like one of our characters. I didn't watch a ton of trailers. But no, yeah. no. I was, they played that clip so often of Simon just yeah. saying, and that's an owlbear that I was like, oh, I'm so sick of this. And then when you realize what it is, I'm like, oh, I love this. And that's a yeah. classic D&D creature for the folks at home. Owlbears, man, I use them in my campaign actually like all the time. So they're great. Hell yeah. Um, and we should also mention Simon is a half elf sorcerer. Sure. Uh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. You know, he's got the pointed ears. Um, Humans oh, are liars. He, I'm only half human. <laughs> yeah. And of course, he has, has previously courted uh, Dor- Doric. Is that her name? Doric. Yeah. And Dorit. he's like, so he is like into her. She's not as into him as she he is into her. But over time might, you know, start to have some feelings for him. So we do our, get our relationship arc in the movie with with them kind of yeah and i want to um also underline the reason they're trying to locate where the vault could be is because they assume that that's where the uh ruin of resurrection is and if they can get that yes. and they can prove uh, you know he, you know forge so is lying to your daughter to so that's a, the main thing they want to do a yeah edgin wants to a save his daughter and b get the rune of resurrection back again to resurrect his dead and wife. he can prove he's not a liar if he has the rune of resurrection to say here it is receipts it's not a rune of money he's lying to you right so it, it helps yes. him both ways um so now they know and to break mordenkind and seal because that's big magic simon knows this he's familiar with mordenkind and they're going to need the helmet of destruction or something like that disjunction, disjunction. and they I, they pronounce it wrong in the movie and that's a joke that i was doing on purpose so now we got to get the helmet of disjunction. And this is kind of session five. But before that, we got to do a one-off where we go visit Holga's ex-husband because we're kind of heading to the graveyard yes. where her ancestors now, fought. Mike, it's on the way. Yeah. Uh, at this point, like, again, like, it's just, I'm just so happy about this movie. I'm so happy like, about it at this point, too. I'm like, all in. I am all in I, right now. I don't need name drops. I don't need references. When they said Baldur's Gate, hey, we'll go down, we'll charter a ship by Baldur's Gate. Jake, when I turn to each other, our jaws drop. Okay, that's fine. I'm excited. It's just something I didn't consider. Now, certainly what I didn't consider is that there would be like a weird cameo in this movie. And this was the (laughs) next jaw drop turn to Jacob. Now, what did you think of? Holga's ex uh, fiance. I love everything about this. You know how I feel about um, 
you know, uh, Mary and uh, Awen. Oh, oh yeah. You know, short king, tall <laughs> queen, bro. I'm very yeah. for it. Sure. And so it were revealed that her husband is a halfling, which is their version a of a hobbit because they would get yeah. sued. So it's Bradley Cooper is a little halfling. Yeah. And that's Bradley her ex-husband. Cooper. The cutest that's little guy. It's like two reveals. So it's like, uh-huh. not only do we find out that she's married to a halfling as a large barbarian woman, mm-hmm. Um, we also find out that it's Bradley Cooper. But it should be an A-list star. Like, you can imagine them setting up this joke. You know, Holga, she's huge. She's a barbarian. It's going to be so funny that it's halfling. But what if it was also a huge star? And to get Bradley mm-hmm. Cooper yeah. and to not spoil that or blow it, I-, I was really shocked. Yeah. It's the classic death by snoo snoo Amazonian <laughs> woman. Right. Uh, uh, in right. my dreams. In my goddamn dreams. Resident Evil Village. When... You know, they're they're so they're they were divorced or whatever, or he left left her because she was sort of too preoccupied on on you know her tribe basically feeling the loss of her tribe, even her, though yeah, yeah she chose him for marrying him. So then we find out that he's he has a new wife, and then she comes in. It's another large barbarian woman, uh, and it's just a very funny scene. Yeah, and right. she's like, "Oh, how you doing? How long you staying? Oh, just passing through." It's this very awkward like uh, wife current wife conversation. Very modern. Yeah, it, it was really cute. Um, Hilarious. Yeah, I lo- you love to see it. But so he's moved on and she she needs closure. So she, that's why she wanted to stop by. And he says, hey, you know, you can take this walking stick, you know, that's chilling out if you, you want to take that with you. Which to me, this is a DM being like, there's one player that's like, I really want to go to my ex-husband's house. Like, okay, fine. And then they do it for him. Use but then they're like, we need something the for the quest. So we're going to put a special item here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sidetracking us, but also fuck you. I need to get now us back on track. My, yeah, my it's like plot a plot shot where you meet this uh, NPC. <laughs> yeah. I'm, my, I'm still working on my garden and, you know, my book's coming along. <laughs> I was like, you know what? If I was in the D&D world, I'd probably just live at Bradley Cooper would, where I'd just be like a little guy just like running around. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you want to always be the Hobbit archetype and just be a little guy yeah. running around, hanging out? Yeah. Smoking and drinking. Read, uh, mm-hmm. I read about how they shot the scene. It's a little disappointing because oh. they shot... Bradley Cooper's scenes after and added it in with so him and Michelle Rodriguez aren't oh, aren't even acting sure. against each other in the scene. Of course, it works well enough. It still works for that yeah. point, but yeah, yeah. You, you like get him on sitting on a normal sized chair, and it's who, very funny. Who is he friends with? Who? What? What would make it Bradley Cooper? I, that's what I can't piece together. I don't know. There's got to be some game night connection, or just somebody really likes. Uh, yeah, just really likes in the D&D shallow. And wanted to be do a cameo. So, um, so, so I you guess know, A-list actors like to do these cameos because they kind of get talked about as like, oh, I didn't expect Tom Cruise yeah, to pop up in that's Tropic That's so Thunder. exciting. Yeah, yeah, you're totally yeah. right. But I think that's kind of the midpoint of our, our whole arc here. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back. We'll be leaving and heading to the next uh, the next session here as we try to begin the quest to get the helmet of, what is it, Jacob? Disjunction. Disjunction, right after this. back here on normies like us where we have been having a ball playing it all here talking dungeons and dragons honor among thieves on normies like us uh we just left holga's house where she yes. picked up this magic walking stick but of course we were headed towards 
a very big site for her tribe, a battleground where her people a hundred years prior had fought against the dragon cult or the cult of the dragon. Yeah. And we get a Simon says, oh, nice. He says, I have a coin that can we can talk to dead people. They need to figure out where the helmet is. It was last seen in this battle. So we're going to resurrect some guys. Yeah. Go ahead, Jacob. You can resurrect them. You ask them five questions and then they die again forever. And this sets up one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the theater was like cracking up. And I saw some of this in the trailer. I knew it was going to be funny, but it was it was even more extended than I thought because it wasn't just one guy uh, that they showed in the trailer. But it was a really hilarious scene, I thought. Yeah. And this to me highlights we've had, you know, combat sequences right we've had what i would consider a skill check sequence with the escape of the druid like you just have to keep rolling correctly on your transform to escape this this pursuit and now we just have a strictly role-playing session where you're going to investigate with these guys and chat with them and it's just a players kind of doing a role-playing all talking and then they learn yes. the backstory and it's so great it's another aspect of D being represented here yes we're not doing reflex here mike it's just the charisma it's just the talking um yeah, Wait, did you Jacob, ask him a question? Like He's just answering, like, yeah. The this, but the semantics of you can just imagine directors going through. Give me every magic item that has something that's like within a hundred feet, or like you know, only on the color blue. You know, like things that have little rules. So something that's like, and you only have five questions, or, and then for them to point out, like, well, that's so arbitrary. Why would it be five questions? Yeah. Yeah. The comedy again is coming from such a natural starting point. Yeah, because it is like, yeah, why is this the hard rule of five? And you know, it's like I don't know. I didn't make the magic coin, but like players ask that to kind of yeah. If you guys were great. playing a session, Jacob, and like even if you dug up the corpse you needed to talk to, but you were on a battlefield full bodies and you had a magic item that spoke to the dead, wouldn't you be like? All right, well, I'm going to ask like a bunch of people what's going on in the deal. We'll be like, I don't know. All right, well, you ask this guy. How'd he die? Right. He fell and hit his neck on a bathtub. Really? It's like, yeah, that's not this piece. I'm just I making this up as I go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all, yeah. Yeah, they're piecing together the story of what happened to this helmet. It gets passed from one person to the next, so they have to like figure out where it went next. And I also think this is a great scene for Chris Pine to really stretch his comedy chops because I think Chris Pine... My favorite of the Hollywood Chris's. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I think as, uh, right now stock is Captain rising. Kirk. Um, and I uh. think he's a natural comedian in sort of like a leading man's body. And you get these people sometimes where they're naturally good comedic actors, but they sort of get typecast as a traditional leading man because they're they're also very good looking. Uh, but Chris Pine's a very funny actor, I think. And he's really getting to like, you know, do his thing here in the scene. And, you know, some of them, he, he only asked them like three questions. And they're like, uh, you still have two questions left. And he's like, what's your favorite book? And the guy's oh, like, there's oh, so I, many. I could so many. hard to pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they just decide. What's your favorite food? The guy who goes oats. No, barley. <laughs> he, like, <laughs> he like doesn't trust himself for a minute and then immediately dies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they leave. So and there's a bit where they're like, can somebody ask me one more question? That's funny. That was we fine, do. right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we do find out where the helmet finally went. Apparently this, this paladin, uh, who was of the the Red Wizard, or his race got taken over by the Red Wizards, you know, and that made a little bit of beef Chris Pratt. We found out there's a paladin who has it, and he's pretty famous. Everybody in the group had kind of heard of him. They're like, Zank. yeah, this is a real famous guy. So uh, this is... Zank Yendar. Sessions. Zank Yendar. Yep. And we like some Star Wars name, but... It, it does. Boy, <laughs> we're getting into that territory, Jacob. And, but, and we've gotten a couple scenes now, Mike, where... Sophia has been alone back at the castle 
revealing the red wizardness of it all. But yeah. we also get this shadow necromancer who is mm-hmm. dead, who is revealed to be the big bad pulling the strings. What is this? What's going on that's here? The, Not yeah, my the grand favorite. wizard of the <laughs> okay. red wizards or whatever. But so so he's Fina, a main character in the lore. Yeah, and he's a arch lich. Like he's a he's a he's a badass. Or, yes. You know. So so anyway, like the so highest see, necromancer position mm-hmm. you can get. Essentially, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and we kind of see the plan here is that Sophina, who is disguising herself as a normal sorcerer wearing black clothes or whatever, but is really a red sorcerer, which which. In the in this world, apparently everyone hates because they're just really bad people. Um, killed Edgin's wife, obviously. So she's got this ulterior motive. That's why Forge, she sort of guided Forge to become the Lord of Neverwinter. He's sort of an oblivious person in all this, but he's kind of a, a stooge for for their ultimate. As long life. as he's being admired, he's happy. And we we meet yeah. this paladin. You know, we finally track him down. And and this is very much like great paladin trope, a great NPC. But before we talk about his personality, we get the kind of the backstory of why the red wizards are so feared because they attack yes. his people and they use this certain spell that'll turn a whole group of people, anybody within range, into a zombie Undead. servant. Yeah, there. I I would yeah. love to know what political metaphor we're doing here because they were red good pill. people living in a country that was ruled by a council of five necromancers and their guards like 20 red wizards and he the main one who what is this guy's name it's like cal i forget it's like or it's like zor zandal like they say it like 10 times yeah there's a lot of proper nouns like Fuck you guys, I'm the the head necromancer and grabs this magic horn thing and goes up and does a spell that converts human live bodies into zombie soldiers. So literally you want to do it at the highest population possible. And if you are a necromancer, you now have undead thralls under your control. And meanwhile, we're hearing about Forge restarting these games. What are they called? The something games? The high sun Um, games. High Sun Games, yes, which is a big thing that's going to take place in a stadium with a huge audience uh, at Neverwinter, this city. So, so that's the whole plot. He gives he she makes him rich, makes him the ruler. He gets to flee with all the loot, and then she gets to have an army of undead soldiers, and he gets to dip out. Absolutely. So the paladin explains this, and he says, you know, hey, so this is bad news. I guess I'll help you get the helmet if it can stop them because they fucked with me. But let's talk about this guy because he's a paladin. Yes. He's an NPC paladin. He's he, well, incredible. I he must be. About that, Mike. Okay. Let's, he must yeah. be. I would agree I with you. Said something he, good about this. Yeah. He is the overpowered stand-in for the DM who's like, these people are fucking up. Here's like some. I must give like, them yes, background. I like what you said I, also, Colin, yesterday. I also, yes. Yeah. My, uh, my other theory, Mike, is he's the guy who really did want to play comes in for one incredible session and then his wife never lets him come again. (laughs) Right. He just, he never comes again. There's a couple of good tropes because there's also the paladin players that like, they're very powerful because it's a powerful class, but they'll be so moral. They're like, I will not do thievery. And they'll just like always try to not go with the flow. And it makes like, so the fact that he just leaves is very funny. What, you know, at that point, but yeah, he's either the guy who could never come back and we had to write him off and he just walked away. Yeah, you know, and it's like okay, that and that was <laughs> and that. He just kept walking away. In fact, um, and this is the, the underdark cons- arc, essentially. So yeah, go ahead. Yes, the well, moral alignment constraints of this game, Mike. That's so interesting for you to bring up because mm-hmm. the terms lawful good are 
I, it's like any, it's like, it's like being a Trump supporter and I'm not trying to trigger <laughs> and I'm not, please do not flame us for me saying this, but or being dogmatic about anything where you go, no, I can't because I'm the lawful status. I'm this way. And you can be lawful evil. You can be, you know, chaotic, yeah. you know, all these things, blah, blah, blah. It's so hard to get a group that does have a spectrum of players. You want that as a DM, but honestly, it kind of does end up becoming the honor among thieves or the murder hobo route where it's like, we're all in this together. And yeah, I do different things, but like, I'm with you, whatever you say, fuck everybody else. You yeah. Let's do these things. It is fun to have a character that is so different. Who's literally like, I don't make jokes. I don't make jokes at all. In fact. Yeah. And <laughs> he's a very funny li- personality. And he has, he has his own motivations where I think we mentioned this a little bit, but he was a mm-hmm. kid during this first this Correct, coup yes. of the Red Wizard. So he escaped this red smoke that turned everyone to zombies. So he has this big grudge against them. And then became a paladin because of that, right? Prior, but then he gets this sort of head mark tattoo. What is that? Yeah. That is a curse? I'm not he, sure. He, all the people who get converted get those head scars. And so right. he was touched by the magic, but escaped it. it. So yeah. he, it's just a reminder. And this is also like a classic backstory. The wizards killed my whole family and my clan. And I found a paladin to train me and I will fight against the red wizard. It's a very like classic, you know, yeah. backstory that people so he come set up, up with. with this helmet. Uh, he hit it he in the underdark. To, yeah. He agrees to help this party, but only again with his moral good stance, only if they split the loot among the townspeople instead of taking all the loot that's in the, the what right. amazing mm-hmm. foreshadowing we're getting here. So yeah. of course he's even saying, you may not believe this, but I trust that your quest will bring you this way. Now I want to point out Jacob real quick. He's making Ed take this oath on the Harper's book or rules or whatever, which is, again, he is also using to show us images of these are the Red Wizards. It's how you're finding out information and stuff. Mike, is this a player's handbook? Is he literally giving the players a player's handbook to constantly well, reference throughout this movie? You know what? Yeah, yeah that's pretty great because it's like it shows you, hey, here's the Red Wizard. Here's everything about why they're a threat. Here's another nefarious group. Right. Here's why they're a threat. Like the Harpers would just keep track of that. And it's it's wonderful. I didn't think and about Ed that. And Ed had this catch. manual in the beginning, but he rejected the Harpers because his wife died and he kind of blamed them. He was like, fuck this. I'm going to do my own thing. And so now the paladin is saying like come back to the the good side and like re kind of take your oath and commitment to being a good person and stuff so yes. i like that too and i like yes. when chris and we're getting pine, this good uh go runner ahead. of chris pine handing things to people opposed to holding them which i think is very funny yep. it's like okay yeah. hold on but the paladin <laughs> so oh here simon take this <laughs> he's just so funny <laughs> and stoic. yeah exactly i'll protect this with my life hold this but i love how stoic the paladin is he never gets a joke he's very almost drax but it's like a lot like you Drax, may not believe those a words. A lot like Drax. A <laughs> yeah. lot yeah. like Knuckles. Mm-hmm. Do you the remember? Remember Knuckles from two? Sure. Yeah. Doesn't now, understand metaphors. Doesn't understand. We have irony. these tropes where someone will make a joke. Where the joke is, I don't even understand what you're doing. Is making a joke. I think he's at his weakest when he's like that. Mm. When they're headed to the underdark, or maybe they've already jumped into it, and they're saying you can't hear us and they're whispering and he still hears them and stuff. And then he hears that he hates them and he smiles. Uh, That's good. That is good character stuff. That's original. And isn't just playing into the sort of (sighs) autistic coded. I mean, I, I I hate to go that far, but there, there is this sort of weird trope that's popping up with these, these characters. I I don't know. He's so committed to his, 
yeah. quest. He's just and his so self serious, right? And yeah. I think that's why I feel no like social this, skills. This yeah. is an he's NPC because like really he's like guy who's really good at everything. Like the yeah. women he all saves that stuff. kitten from the fish, Mike, and the cat yeah. woman's just there oh, crying, tabaxi. and he pulls this kitten. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. There's tabaxi in this. Um, but but yeah, it, it, that's why I feel that NPC vibe um, is like because it's like the DM like. This guy's way too powerful to roll with you for the rest of the thing. Yeah. And I need to do everything I can to make him not be your friend. He's going to be short with you like and direct. Jesus-like and character. he's going to leave when he can. Yes. Yeah. Comes in yes. is like so purely good that the other characters are like kind of turned off by just how yes. good he is. It's and like, like how the town wizard. Like yeah. he could probably destroy anything you meet in the wild. Why can't you bring this level 20 NPC with right. you? You have to have an excuse, right? And yeah. he That's has great. this rivalry with Ed that is great because from the look of how Ed looked with the Harpers, you almost get the feeling that he was on the track to be a paladin, right? Or that he could have had these abilities, but instead we have this much nobler, much better person. I just and got again, something... Oh, sorry. I was going to say uh, mm-hmm. real quick, just to throw another Guardians reference. It reminded me of in Avengers when you have the Star Lord Thor dynamic, where Thor comes in and everyone's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. "Look at this guy." Star Lord's like very self. Not that cool. That's, that's yes. a, I feel like that's Ed in uh, this Paladin that I'm absolutely Zen, right. Zen, whatever his name. Zank. Is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this Zank is also Zandral. a Bridgerton guy. You know, handsome Bridgerton guy kind of got him handsome over. Bridgerton and... guy, Rigé Jean Page, uh, mm-hmm. who's just blown up. Good for him. I he, got very he was great in this movie. And like you said, he he, he kind of left after one season because he's like, "Fuck this! I'm going to be a movie star." And has since sort of maybe not found the right role before now because he was yes. kind of stand out in his limited scenes in this. But he was trying to break into the sort of a list of movie stars. I feel like. Right. Yeah, did you see the Gray Man, Mike? He was a character no. in that. No. He was the villain or one of the villains of gotcha. The villain of that yeah. film is actually the CIA or I'm sorry, Harvard is what they tell you at the end of the film because yeah. every member of CIA went to Harvard and they talk about uh, it frequently. <laughs> sheesh. Okay. Well, this guy went to whatever paladin school he went to. And I do want to say we all know paladins. They have the ability to detect good and evil, right? Uh, he uses one of those, but maybe in that moment when he says, you might not believe that you'll give the treasure away, but I do because he's detecting good in Edgin because that's a power paladins have. So uh, Underdark, well, we go. It, so go yeah. He goes to the Underdark. We pass this intellective hour. It's great. We get great more of this bit, stuff. Yeah. I also want to point out a lot of the action has been in the daylight before this. And uh, one of you pointed out a million locations, which is so interesting mm-hmm. and fascinating. The Underdark, for being called the Underdark, is another series of scenes and locations in this film that are really well lit, where you can see good action, and it's not dark, yes. and it doesn't look like Wakanda or the Talkoons. That's Talcoons. a really good point. Colin. We've been having an Compared issue with a that. Lot of yes, stuff that's shot. Very it's called the Underdark, Jacob, and it's yeah. not underlit. It's a movie yeah. where you can see everything that's happening. What a concept, right? And if it gets too dark, you can hold his hand. But I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to hold. Then he does. I'm not going to hold he does it at one point, <laughs> and then that he takes off. it. That's uh-huh. right. It's good. It's all but we good. Get, this but is this one is of my where favorite. The magic portal gun comes. Well, into yeah. Play right. Yeah. Primarily though, yeah. This is one of my favorite sequences too, because you know the paladin 
as a either NPC stand-in or whatever DM running him. He's like, here is the puzzle. It's an ancient gnomish thing. You got to do 17 different steps, two steps forward, one lateral step to the left or right. And then we switch to even odd numbers. Odd numbers. Do not Equal engage numbers. the trap before he's doing this whole spiel. And then uh, Simon accidentally steps on one of the pressure plates and the whole bridge just whole immediately bridge collapses. Just collapses. And he says, "The I didn't know the bridge started back have. here. <laughs> like technically <laughs> that, that was the start like, of the bridge. Really, it is the border, yeah. But then he redeems himself by using right. this yes. magic portal gun, which is essentially what it is, where it has the same effect as a portal gun from the game Portal. Which uh, is super cool. Yeah. And that's Very a real cool. item. They hit well, their stats. I, I, I want to point out first what happens before that is mm-hmm. you get Dungeons and Dragons playing, which is the puzzle went off. The DM's pissed exactly how Mike said, mm-hmm. oh, you're not going to do it. How I'm going to do it. What are you going to do? Holga just starts saying, I've got rope in my bag. I could tie the rope to my axe and I'll throw it and I'll go. And that's when Simon sees and they come up with another plan. It's conversation. It's the group sort of like feeling out what they have and what they own and what they could use to get out of a situation. Also, yeah. shout out having a rope in your adventuring bag because like, yes. you must always you have, have one. You, you always get 10 feet of rope, Mike. You have Buy to the adventurer's pack when you start, people. You always get 10 feet of rope. You may need to climb across a cliff or descend to something. You want that rope. It comes in handy. So the fact <laughs> that they brought that up was like perfect D&D stuff, yeah. Um, but they use this magic portal gun, end up... Uh, Hither, thither staff. Undead people. The hither, thither staff. That's what it's called. Very funny hither, name. Hither, thither. <laughs> uh, and then they end up uh, kind of running helmet. from some undead people uh, that are the wizards, uh, thralls, Henchmen. or whatever, the undead. Um, does, does Holga say she found his walking stick by the corpse of a wizard? Is that what she said? She's like, yeah, I found it yeah, by be, a yeah. magician's dead body. <laughs> I, I need to watch this movie again. That would be incredible. <laughs> and again, here we have another great action scene where we see this paladin in sort of command where he's just fucking up these undead people it's a pretty good fight i think overall yeah he's got like a sword that like shoots out its blade and then uh it's mm-hmm. so cool has a smaller and blade inside of it yeah i had a big complaint afterwards about the role of the bard and that it's very cool to make the lead of this film a bard but the bard role i would like to see bardic magic be part of that yes mike you were saying maybe he is inspiring you maybe know or charm person but yes. no 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 maybe the paladin, this is action where you see him whispering on his blade while he's rubbering it, and it like gains like, you know, it's like a thundering boost. And well, it gains yeah. like, yeah, like extra attributes and stuff. Like it's exactly how a paladin would play in the game. He's getting bonuses, he's like using abilities and spells. It's fucking he's awesome. Buffing his own sword for him because he's, he's buffing. OP. Yeah, it's great. I just wanted a shield think, bash because he carried a shield in one scene, but he didn't yes, use it in this right. fight. But otherwise, he gives it up immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But good I think fight. Ed might be like multi-class. You know, he's like a he, he might be a guy who literally has a level at everything. You're, the, you might yeah. be right, Jacob. The best take on the internet. It's always one or the other. Multi-class yeah. has not come up. We've you heard it here first. It's like, why do you have one level of fighter? He's like, because I'm going to bash somebody with my loot. And they're like, well, yeah. yeah, but why would you do that? I guess that makes sense as a spy that his cover is a musician that like plays for coins and stuff. Like it makes sense that he would have other skills other than just barding, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's clearly got some deception. But anyway, we, we're yeah. having a fight with the undead. They're all dead. And then it's like, we got to get out of here because they're undead. They're going to keep coming Can't back. And they're them. trying to yeah. escape when we get another big, uh, big reveal and from then, the trailer. Yeah. And then we get a big fight with 
a like you said a fat smog right well i'll be honest with you guys i don't know if you picked up on this but they happen to be at this moment in a dungeon fighting a dragon oh shoot among uh, and there's their honor among the the thieves yeah (laughs) i believe there there was honor among the thieves as well (laughs) yes 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 we get a uh, and we had the black dragon earlier shooting its rock breath very cool but we get a, a red dragon notoriously uh aggressive they always protect their horde there you don't want to tussle with a red dragon because that'd be you know usually first strike so he comes out of his lair and we get a big chase that i think is pretty pretty exciting too all things considered yeah. uh, twists and turns a little bit of moria action a little t- tipsy turvy paladin saves like edgin Hobbit, they become right? homies uh, yeah it's so funny that you say that from halfway through i was right. like you know what I'm thinking about smog right now, but I'm loving this so much more than anything those movies ever got me close. Literally in theaters, I was thinking that to myself during it. I yeah. think that the is twist, better of than course, is that he's Hobbit. like he's an a he's a big dragon. Boy. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's been eating too much. But that's a named dragon in the lore. It's like Thela Thumdrum or something. You know, it's, it's a real sure. character that exists, and, <laughs> and they don't kill it off. They get away, but like it still exists yeah. down there. So you know, that's but cool. It's like so powerful that even they can't kill dog. it. No. And dragons will fuck you up at like yeah. mid to so low level to which i assume they are they get out and then this is when the paladin's like and this is where i leave you <laughs> and he just leaves the party walking in a straight line <laughs> it's so good and they're yeah. just quipping the whole time oh Look is, at he, him. is he gonna, just gonna keep walking in straight line like he's coming up on a rock such purpose like he's not even gonna move <laughs> he's like straight up and over get the helmet uh and of course before this um Simon the sorcerer is like I don't I can't you know it all depends if I can attune with this helmet which I don't think I will be able to do and if I can't then this whole plan is basically useless. Yeah, I kind of think this was the weakest moment, Mike, where you kind of get that um, eight points of Kim Bellion's uh, screenwriting right where they're like, mm-hmm. okay, we need a Dark Knight of the Soul right now. Like, what is their lowest moment? And it's like, well, they all need to bicker with each other, and it's like, why? Well, it's like, well. Ed kind of had a side conversation with Simon that really these other two like wouldn't really care that much about because right. they kind of like know that he doesn't believe in himself or would be able to use this thing. But the reaction is kind of like, I can't believe you would lie to all of us. Yeah. Right. But there is the moment where we find out Edgin's true kind of motivation. And that is that during the, his arrest of a red wizard, you know, that's all fine and good. The reason they were able to, they wanted revenge, obviously, but the reason they were able to find his family is he stole a piece of gold from them that they had marked. And that is a real D&D thing where villains will mark right. their treasure, DMs will give them a pile of it, and when they spend it at the tavern, boom, minions, because we know where you are. Oh, it's like a credit card tracing like thing. Doubt. So his yeah. greed caused the death of his family, and it was a selfish motive. He and wants I to bring his wife back. wasn't even lucky enough to be there. Correct. Yeah. So that's the real thing. And then the family's like, you know, it's um, all for nothing. You know, we've all fucked up. And, you know, it eventually comes yeah, around for me. But because Edgin believes in Simon more than Simon does, like his whole arc is that he has to find the self-confidence. He puts the helmet on. Mm-hmm. He has like a vision of his ancestor who's like, you don't deserve to wear this. Shoots off of him. So he's got to learn to attune with the helmet so that he can get past the magic seal on the door. But you're right, Colin, this is where this this is like the second act party breaks down because of distrust uh they got to work things out mm-hmm. um, it, just even if they weren't taking it this hard i would take the backstory reveals and stuff and i love the idea that it's like he's basically like uh-uh, your level is too low to use this epic loot and it's like yeah. oh i gotta like oh how do i fucking level up in the world of a real movie yeah it's like oh, i have self-confidence yeah 
but that's his bardic inspiration. He's trying. He's trying to give him an, an inspiration point, you know? Yeah. I guess. Because he even in the end, he's like, I always knew that, you know, you could do it. You just had to believe in yourself. But that's what I've been saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, um, kind of anime, simplistic, I guess. But yeah, this leads to after this, I think, the I setup it. to the finale, which is kind of three sequences. I call it infiltration, the game's final confrontation. We just kind of jump into it. But I think yeah. for me, we we have multiple plans happening we have a helmet if that really doesn't work fun. we need plan b really we're going to use this spell thing we can put it on a piece of loot and we can sneak that into yeah. the vault and then we can because it use seems it. like yeah it's great yeah it seems like the helmet's not going to work so like we need a plan b use the portal thing uh they end up needing both plans which is a really yes. interesting thing because they actually end up leading to two different places and so is really we don't know, very good writing great. because we've had the entire setup the entire time Jacob, where we've gotten good lines like, what do you provide? I provide plans. Okay, you already made the plan. Well, I'm always good at backup plans too. So you make plans that fail. And yeah. him constantly saying, I'm good at making multiple plans. So they, yeah. when it occurs to finally go and they're like, oh shit, it's not going to just work one way. We need to think about it from multiple angles and that they actually engage that way. Like Mike said, it's like one of the most thrilling parts of this movie that is nonstop thrilling parts. Yeah, from this, here on, this whole climax is just yes, so great. good. Like, yeah. Yes, up to a moment at the end that Jacob said was like real like D&D where your party is like taking turns fighting together. <laughs> this whole part to that, I'm just like, this movie yeah, is hitting fight. on every level right now. These hijinks yeah. with this portal gun and we're going to attach it to a painting and then that'll get loaded in and then they need to flip it down so they can hammer wood out and then hammer the wood back. Like the, the, the yeah. levels of creativity using this portal gun are probably my favorite sequence in the whole movie. But then it ends incredible. up when it's in the vault, the painting falls over onto the ground. So now the portal's facing the cement ground. So now so it's, it's in that one. Go to plan D. Yeah. Are there, again. yeah. are there any extra consequences to the fact that their group is spotted by one of the members of the parole board? Or does that just increase no, the stakes the for thing. Dorit to go through the hole? That's just kind of so she's like getting chased for a moment, it, it right? It's a ticking time element. Yeah. That's well, the all. one thing I didn't think was paid off was when, like, when they're, trying to get into the wagon right and there's those two guards is that what you're talking about that see the what's going on no there's the a lady in the tavern no. who goes up to mess yeah with. later the halfling parolee was was like they're up to no good but the she spots everyone everyone leaves but the person she's turning in is dorit who wasn't even part of that which oh. you're like she doesn't yeah. need to be i understand that but right. like what are the stakes of like if she gets caught she'll just be like who are you looking for? I'm not part of that crew. What so are you just talking become about? Become a bug and fly away. Yeah. 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 It's just kind of so that the scene, so she can say like one minute as she's, you know, like doing something stressful, which again, it's like, that's fine. <laughs> it's it has all not fine. a ton of artificiality. That's pretty yeah. good. I'm fine with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. They find out actually the paintings in a different location than the vault that they thought they were going into, which was where the tablet of resurrection is. They see all this loot's being loaded on a ship. Because- Simon's attuned by this point, we should say. Yes, well, he so learns how to be conquered his demons of of lack of confidence. He thought his ancestor was stopping him. Turns out it was just him. He punches his ancestor to reveal it. You were in your own way, buddy. Just believe in yourself, yeah. and boom, you know, it took gets you long past enough. the seal. So they are in the vault. Doric is in this other location where she sees the treasure being loaded on a ship because Forge is going to escape with Kira, Ed's daughter. Uh, and but of course, everyone gets captured. They end up in this maze this game this labyrinth the labyrinth of which this is such a whatever it's called 
this kind of thing reminds me, like Colin, our first session, you put us in a wagon, imprisoned us, and then threw us into a gladiatorial games to fight for sport. And it's like, this yes. is, I'm sure that happens a lot in D&D. And here we go. It's, Perfect end of the first It's movie. the number one. And you're uh-huh. just watching and you're going like, yeah, this is exactly how you tell a story. This and is there's great. a ton right. of Easter eggs here, obviously. We get the original D&D party from uh, the animated show is one of the yes. other crews that they're competing against. Tons of creatures. What kind of stuff did you spot that you're familiar with? Yeah, You see yeah. the displacer beast, Mike. You know, displacer we're getting this shout out to some beasts where it's like nobody... There are characters who are like, have you ever had displacer beast meat? No, too gamey for me. But they, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like they have to pause every second to be like, do you understand that we're showing you this? Do you understand that this? It just feels like a movie that's like, you're in it. Like, just keep going. That's, that's natural where it's like, oh, this is one of the obstacles they need to run from. And then it actually has power to, you know, project an image to distract you, right? Where the, while the mm-hmm. real one sneaks up on you. Yeah, and so, that's what they do, and it's you don't have Chris. Oh, uh, just sorry, rewind because if we're talking about holograms, we have to talk about maybe the funniest oh, sequence. Minor illusion requires film. concentration. Mike, yes. our audience, there was a woman next to me who I thought was going to die. She was <laughs> laughing so hard, and I was also gasping for breath. But when you see Chris Pine, so with the most <laughs> maniac look he's ever had, lock eyes with another person, and then his head starts shrinking into his body, you for a moment are like, oh no, I'm having a stroke. Yeah. So essentially, uh, you know, Incredible. Ed is doing his bard thing, singing a song. We, it's a reveal that it's actually an illusion of him that Simon the Sorcerer is doing, which essentially, uh, like, lags out and just starts you know the hologram well, lags right because he gets his foot stuck there's an element of play in D that spells require concentration certain ones yes and if your concentration is broken it starts not to work so he gets his foot stuck and because he's not concentrating fully the illusion starts to crack down and it's fun that that's a gameplay element that they're bringing into a story element i just love yes. it yeah it's so Very clever well so yeah you're right it just had to be mentioned because when we get the credits for chris pine later they unravel his little mannequin figurine to represent him. And then they start stretching it out. Referencing yeah. this. It is so good. Yeah, no, that was a really, really good moment. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah. But in this arena, we get, you know, they're not running around saying like, run from the displacer beach. Watch out. It's a displacer beast. Look out for the gelatinous cube. They're just, no. do, they're just running. They're not overdoing happening. it. Yes. You, they don't yeah. name any of these things, you know, and we get a mimic, a mimic chest as well, yeah. you know, which is chest. great. Um, Finding loot in the maze, you open a chest, like even something like that. You open a chest and get a new sword, like that's very D&D, you know? So they find ways to give us all this here. I I love it. You see lots of traditional D&D looking characters like dwarves and different things with cool looking armor in in the maze, right? And there's not a lot of dwarves in the Neverwinter region because of politics. So that's why they're not main Mm. characters in this particular movie, you know? But he would maybe show up for the games, you know, that kind of thing. So... Uh, there's a reason it's more of a human-centric area because that's kind of Neverwinter. So it's just interesting how they And at this that. point, Hugh Grant Forge is literally like, okie dokie, I think I should. And he just really starts to get out of there. Um, yeah. He is giving to Sophina control of whatever they're doing at the city. So you can imagine, not good. 
Yeah, and he, he wants basically, to escape Kira, which is like his one redeeming thing is that he does actually care about Kira. That he brings up. Daughter. He's like, you do have yeah. to admit, I do have one good quality. I'm a better yeah. father than you are, yes. Edgin. I have yeah. been treating her well, but it is for a crazy reason and that she makes me feel like a god. And you're exactly. like, oh my yeah, god. Like, oh my god. Yeah. But he, <laughs> the game's also attracted all the rich people from all around the realm. So he's like, I'm going to steal all their money. I'll get out. She can do whatever she wants. So, you know, he's being a little scumbag, uh, you know, yeah. con artist, but that's what he does. So he's trying to make his getaway. Meanwhile, they're trapped in the maze and time is ticking again. Yeah. Um, um, and we find so an escape that? They, through the gelatinous well, cube. We realize that up and down Chris, movement. Chris Pine very correctly says, if we just win this, this game is not going to stop. We just need to get ourselves out of it. Dorit says, I have an idea. They run towards the gelatinous cube. Everybody jumps in just as the gong goes off, resetting the labyrinth. The uh, gelatinous cube goes under. She has removed her anti-magic handcuff, which allows her to wild shape her way out yes. and then remove Turn everyone else snake. as well. She's able to push her arm and have a finger hole. And then when she sizes <laughs> down, the snake can get out the finger hole and then yeah. I pull everybody out. Those cubes are serious business. I fought one in my first ever D&D session. My cousin ran. They disintegrated all our equipment. They're terrifying. But I love yeah. seeing it in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's um, how they get out. And now we're on a race to go. Let's go. Let's go. She yeah, recognizes so the basement and they go to confront uh, Forge at this point. Forge. They stop yeah. Forge. They win. It is game over. They mm-hmm. successfully stage a coup on the craft he is using to escape with that is loaded with loot. They are not going to do what they promised Zenk. Forge is out of the picture. They have Kira again. They have the Tablet of Resurrection again, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they're on their way. They don't need away. anything. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> movie's over right they're sailing away they've accomplished their task uh but then they turn around and they see this red smoke above the uh arena and very ominous things happening in the sky and they're like looks like we gotta go back because we are good people after all and we're gonna try to save these people right and, and yeah that's this is the big finale i guess this whole last bit he we also talked kira has had a magic necklace that makes her invisible i'm bringing that up for no reason <laughs> yeah Important she got it from out. Holga when she was young and they would use it to play games and she's always had this her whole life. Right. Then we uh, realized one inch of glass was holding us back from our destiny and it cuts to them smashing through it and Holga, Michelle Rodriguez's face as she realizes she could just reach through and steal jewelry is great. Oh, she's God, like, yeah. like realizing it as she does it. She's like, oh. This is easy. Yeah, that's the intelligence <laughs> stat. That's a dump stat for barbarians. You don't use it, you know? Right. Uh, actually, like, every character in this back. has a intelligence as a dump stat which is makes sense for the yes hour. The, yeah the intellective hour uh but um, yeah they go back rude. colin the what did forge promise they go back they set everybody up, uh, a gift he promised everybody a gift yes. and that's kind of a mechanism to undo the forge has been oprah style saying <laughs> hang out yeah. and you'll yes yeah. look under your chair so they realize um they need to get people out of the arena to stop them from turning into undead zombies so they end up using the portal, the hither thither staff, to shoot all the loot out of this balloon that has Forge's face on it, this hot air balloon coming out of his <laughs> mouth in a very funny way, and fulfilling their promise by spread giving the loot to the townspeople. All the townspeople see all this loot coming out, they run out in the town, out of the arena. So Fina's like, What the fuck? I'm losing my, my army. Army. Uh, and then we get a big 
a boss fight, right? We get yeah. we get the typical like party up against an evil wizard, Mike, which is that they just immediately evil. start scamming or spamming fireball at you, and you just have to like run around. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no. This is so good. This whole last fight, because like you said, there's moments of everybody doing their magic and it's all realistic. They get fireballed. You have to, you know, counterspell and all this stuff. I, I think it's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'll let you guys take it away on this. I have. We, I mean, we've gotten some hints that Sophina is extremely powerful. Simon keeps saying her magic is on another level. We understand mm-hmm. that these red wizards can do stuff. All these spells that she is spamming at the end, which is like stone to life or, or whatever that one is, yep. where she's bringing that stone dragon to life, fireball, as we keep saying. And then yep. literally what I know is, I believe, like a 10th level, like the highest level spell you can get, time stop. It's a level nine. Incredible it's level nine. I mean, like, which is also what she did at the beginning of the game uh, movie to get uh, Ed and Holga caught. It's basically Jojo. It, it's, it's uh, yes. you know, Tokyo Otomare. It's, it's so overpowered. You can only cast it like once every fucking year. It, it's insane. Like how costly right. it is in the game to cast time stop. Um, and we couldn't counterspell it last time, but we, you know, now that we, they, but attempt Simon to, literally says, Mike, but I got better. AKA, but I leveled up. I'm right. I'm a little better now, <laughs> yeah. but in this moment, she casts it. And it seems like all is lost. Our heroes are defeated. We're frozen in time once again. Simon couldn't do it. And she starts doing the most D&D thing ever, a monologue. You know? And while <laughs> right. she's monologuing, preparing, you're going to suffer a thousand million years, it turns out, invisible little Kira slipped the no magic bracelet on her hand. And that's it. We were all Simon pretending to stand still. did successfully counter yes. the time stop. And they were just yes. all pretending to be stopped. So they Before, all... Which is so when- good. The yeah. first time in the in the uh, dungeon when you see time stop used, he doesn't. There's he just runs away. You see his hands go off. Some sort of yellow power ignites between his fingers. You're kind of like, did he get a counter spell off? And it turns out he fucking did. And right. the fact that they plan to like we we'll all stand still. We believe in you, Simon. Like, oh, so yeah. so good. good party teamwork. And and uh, yeah, there's just so much good D and D here. Um, like when she's and then we out the statue. Out. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. I'll bear it out. That very Hulk in Avengers 1, right? Yes, exactly. She moves a little bit. The wizard. Yeah. Um, Justice is done. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Um, And they're successful. Their quest is successful. But little did we know, turns out Holga in the action has been stabbed with the red wizard's blade in a final emotional moment. There's no cure for it. We learned earlier. Yes, you. Once you're stabbed by a red wizard's blade, you can not cure it. You're no. just doomed, basically. All right. Yep. So give me a little room here, because truly I'm on the verge yes, of tears. you go. So I'm like watching. And I'm like, oh, no. How have I ever had this much of an attachment to Michelle Rodriguez? So we know she's going. Literally, she starts to acknowledge it. She says, like, no, this is good. This is a good death. It's what she wanted before. She said, I want to die for something Today's honorable, a good day to right? Die. Today's a good day to die. And... You get the flashback that pays off to maybe something we haven't built up enough. But if you watch this film, this feeling of because there's been this whole dragonfly element to imply the presence on his mind of Chris Pine's ex-wife of Ed's of lost wife. um, Mm -hmm. And he just hasn't been seeing the truth that is in front of him, which is we got these earlier flashbacks that I was at my lowest period. I was a drunk when my wife died. I would lay on the floor of a bar 
And then a very nice lady came around and took pity on me, the baby mostly, but also me. And you see this woman just assume this natural role. It isn't hers. It's not like she set out or had this child. But motherhood is just something that comes easy to her to the right person. She is Kira's mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get these flashbacks that are have been hinted at. Yes, we've seen them interacting in this earlier stuff or running around. And yes, the bug stuff. But now you get very genuine B-roll footage that is like her teaching Kira how to punch. As a little girl, they're dancing. She's helping her walk for the first time. And you realize like, you know, again, movies just make it seem so simple, these cut forwards in time. But like they had this entire life together where this woman was raising her as her own. And Ed finally admits uh, he gave this speech earlier to a a doppelganger, it turns out. But like Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to save your mother i was trying to save my wife i it's it's Great not line. that Push i've back. ever been doing this for at you the end of the i day. miss yeah. the special one in my life and he makes the right choice at the end here to say i want to use it on her and she agrees and they both say it's the only one we're going to use this tablet resurrection to bring her back and it is just the performance michelle rodriguez does because she goes so quietly and then they have this small conversation and make this choice and her first lines when she comes back are, oh, no, you wasted it on me? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. is devastating. She is playing such a, like, just a loving character that, like, I got to say, guys, and, like, again, like, she's doing, like, amazing work here. I yeah, don't know. She really is. Keep I mind, agree. You know, Chris Pine's whole motivation this whole time, even from the first quest in the beginning when they got caught and sent to jail, was to get this tablet of resurrection to resurrect his wife. Um. He has a moment with uh, the paladin where mm-hmm. the paladin yes, like, well, keep very in mind, important. Uh, you know, death is just like another plane of existence, and you know, your wife might be just better off in this other plane. She's been there so to, long to bring yeah. her here would rob her of her new life. And you're right. like, oh, <laughs> and he's like, I don't care. You know, I just want my wife back. Blah blah blah. Uh, he has to choose, and he realizes that uh, Holga is more of a mother to his daughter than. Her mother because his daughter never knew her mother because she died yeah. when she was a baby. It's a little baby. Um, yeah. So he ultimately has to make the choice to save Holga, which is a very emotional moment. And uh, yeah, great. Scene. Yeah, I, really I, nice. I think it pays off great. I like slowly learning more about his history, like as if he's opening up more to the people around him. To where, yeah, it was always a selfish motivation. He got bored with the Harpers because he wanted more money for his family. He stole the gold because he was selfish. He would talk himself into that it was for his family, but maybe it's for him. Oh, I want for my daughter to bring the wife back, but it's for me. So it was always selfishly motivated. Once he finally makes a choice that's selfless as a parent, what's in the best interest of his daughter? What does she need the most? That's, you know, that's incredible. That's great. I, I think it's a really strong, uh, like emotional beat. And same thing with Michelle Rodriguez, kind of as the, the true mother who raised this girl. I yeah. Think. Yes. Perfect non-traditional family. I love it. And literally hitting the hammer on the head and just striking the point home. They end it with, of course, everyone has paid off for this incredible job. The Lord of Neverwinter reawakens, Forge is repunished, blah, 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 all this good stuff. And you get Chris Pine at the end, whose daughter says, well, aren't you going to go back to your life or, you know, whatever family you have? And he says, like, look around, like, this is my family. And, you know, it's just, it's what it's all been about. It's just the people that you make a part of your life. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, the bonds of people you play D&D with, you go on adventures, whatever, you live through it. Even just playing the game at the tabletop, I have some strongest the strongest friendships from people that I started doing that with. 
And they're calling, Mike. They're trying to get Rajay Jean Page's player to come back to the games. They're like, please. What if yeah, we just, move it if to we every switch third to, Sunday? Yes, every third Sunday, please. And he's like, I, my wife, I just truly can't. Right, <laughs> right, right. Right. Or maybe we'll set him up for the one shot. But he planted that seed. I think, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much the wrap up. They do. We. Oh, yeah. We knew. That's the movie. They, the, the old ruler was poisoned by, you know, that was. it's all been a plot from the Red Wizard. Yes. Since yeah. the beginning. So and that's it's just like a, a warm tongue situation. Yeah. And the Emerald Enclave is yeah. like good now. And, you know, taking care the of. The city and the elves are homies. Everyone's happy. We're shaking hands. Wars. But literally Doric's last line is like. Zam Tazaban isn't gonna be happy about this or like right, whatever yeah. the guy's because the, <laughs> the head of the Red Wizards is still alive. And, and, yeah, and Chris Pine's like, well, we're not worried about him because yeah, whatever. And like me as a fan, I'm like, make a hundred more of these. I don't necessarily need Zam Tazaban or whatever to be like movie number two or whatever. So like you no, can maybe can drop that thread. Yeah, I would love to. No, but a we do get a return of Zam Tazaban. In a little, you know, sting at the end, he's just still walking in a straight line when uh, Orge has gotten oh, away. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I think. Oh, Zank has act. another scene post cred. No, he comes up to Forge, not post cred. Oh yes, he does come up to Forge. Yes, sorry, I got sorry. the Paladin wrong, but yeah, he's yes. walking. Yeah. yeah, we'll see what they do with that big bad. I guess yeah, pretty, you know, yeah. If they do that immediately. A, you can you can hold on to it for a bit. Sequel. Yeah. You don't remember when he was a shadow different. talking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the craziest um, scene in the movie. He's just a little Voldemort. He's just a little Voldemort. It's so- yeah. <laughs> Regarding sequel talk, I know that like they sort of talk to the directors. They're like, well, we haven't, you know, we didn't plan for a sequel, but obviously, if it does well enough and the studio wants it, like we love to come back and have these characters plus some new ones, blah blah blah. Uh, so, you know what? Who you who, guys better make a sequel? Name an actor you would add to that ensemble, Jacob, to make Ooh. it just as fun. I have one. Oh, no. I'm staying in the Star Trek universe. Simon Pegg. I would throw in as a what? What do you say, Mike? An artificer. You know, oh, something yeah. that's not super D and D. That's a little sci fi mix into it. I'd be like, this is perfect. Sure. Especially make him little. He could be a gnome artist. Artificer. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm I feel blasted like, in my pants right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, my go-to would be like Batista as like a barbarian or something. It might be too obvious, but he kind of twist to make him like a more inch, like not just drag sensitive, again, but... sensitive chieftain of her tribe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I love Batista, so I think he would be great in this too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's tough casting. Could be, you have yeah, a role? Do you do you have a class you would have liked to see, Mike? That's that's a good. Uh, class wise like a ninja i mean you truly could go to or samurai you could go to any of the other you know oddball ones that aren't trying to think of classic DD classes you know i i I like to see um like a proper warlock you know with with like a deity and stuff that that's an interesting they didn't touch on Monk would be fun monk, too. Monk yeah. would be Damn. a really fun addition. All right, yeah, Donnie, Donnie Yen, Yen in the next fucking movie, Mike. It, yeah, this yeah. thing would become your favorite franchise on the fucking planet. Yeah, he'd be a yeah. blind monk, I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah, he'd be blind, of course. Yeah, it's contractually right. obligated now. Without a doubt. Um, well, how about this? Let's. Uh, that's the movie, guys. I think we talked through it. Let's go ahead and talk final thoughts, anything we'd want to see in future movies, and just kind of wrap this thing up because... I mean, that's the end of our campaign. We'll see if we, you know, bring these same character sheets back or roll up new ones, but we'll be uh, with you on the other side of this, Normies. Catch you in a minute.
We're back here on Normies Like Us, where we have been talking Dungeons and Dragons. Honor among Honor among, I almost said heroes among things. <laughs> so this is where I reveal, I, I have told you guys this story, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say it on the podcast. Now, of course, this is a Hasbro film, an E1 company production, a Hasbro company, as all the titles say Hasbro 15 times, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, longtime listeners might know, for new ones, my brother works at Hasbro. It's been such a, a blessing to my life to get to be a part of some very cool things because of him. I got to go to Comic-Con in the last year where obviously what Hasbro was pushing the most was Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. And I got to go to a pop-up activation that was a full bar takeover 4DX experience of Honor Among Thieves that they had changed into like a tavern. And up close, I got to see people in the Dragonborn costumes, in the in the in the feather people costumes. Mm-hmm. Uh and it, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. They That's wouldn't so let us cool. take our cell phones or whatever for pictures, but I did sneak like a selfie of my brother and I looking at a screen that's like blasting green light at us and going like, oh my God. Yeah. It was a, an experience where you all go in, they give you these goblets full of vodka that are just like smoking out and you're cheersing and everybody has potions and stuff they're calling it and you're drinking. Mm-hmm. And then a, a guy jumps up on a table and he's acting like, you know, like, I'm the barkeeper. And like, there's a, you know, crazy things going out in who knows what town. I think he said like River Run or something like that, right? Yeah, or yeah. Waterdeep, maybe one of the bigger like D&D uh, locations. Mm-hmm. And it was centered on us watching a screen that would come to life with this 3D, 4DX experience of like wind blowing at you and stuff of right. a black dragon escaping from a swamp. Where they were like, and that sets up the whole story for the film. Now, none of that occurs in the movie. So uh, I would have to assume that was some sort of something that was maybe cut or something changed in the film. But it, it seemed to tie into nothing, honestly. Well, the, you said a black dragon. That was, wasn't there? That a was black the dragon flashback was sequence. Barbarians like a hundred yes. years ago during that battle, right? So yeah. technically, this one shot of a black dragon that's in the film, because it was related to the helmet, means the whole movie is related to that black dragon thing that you watch at Comic Con. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what it <laughs> was. That tracks. It seemed like a very weird thing to tie to. They fell back to I'm plan call C or it D. Awesome. Yeah. It, <laughs> It was one of the cooler experiences of my life. Um, Shout out to Kelly, the lady who put that on, who's literally like the brand manager of Dungeons and Dragons, who is like, we're going to my party right now. I set up the coolest event of all time. And she was right. Uh, I just want to say, see this movie. Because otherwise Kelly's going to cry. She doesn't deserve that. She put together the coolest party of all time. This movie rules. Yeah. I mean, going into this, I I saw advertisements for this thing everywhere. It's very heavily advertised. I knew it had good reviews going in on Rotten Tomatoes. I had good mouth. I still, it still exceeded my expectations and it was Far. better than I ever expected it to be. And I was like, I fucking love this movie. You know, God, <laughs> I, as soon as it, I, I turn my phone off when I go to movies, I'm that guy. I just turn my phone off. You know, the kid next to me was sure. really younger. He pulled his phone out once, which is pretty good for a two hour movie. He was That's engaged and laughing. Um, but as soon as I turned that phone, I said, this movie fucking rules. And I saw your text and said, this movie's fucking great. Cause you sent that yes, while I was, yes. I had the phone turned off yes. and we were it's of a mind. I had no yeah. expectations for this. Again, I thought like they're just going to fuck it up. 
you know, like they don't know D and D, like they don't get video game movies, like they don't, yeah. they don't get it. They're just gonna ruin it. It's gonna be a shitty fantasy just, movie. Mike, I had so many expectations in my mind of just cleverness, wink, wink, of like, and then like, is it gonna be revealed one of them's the dungeon master? Is it gonna be revealed at some point that they are right. kids playing the campaign? Try to be too meta Dude, with it. Throw all that out and to it's not be clever, globe. winky, or meta or whatever, Jacob, and to yeah. just go with. You don't need that. Like yeah. the golden goose here is the thing. And Jacob, point this out real quick. As we were sitting down, you were like, Hasbro, not in the best position with Dungeons and Dragons right now. Yeah. Now, there's been some controversy. PR leading up to this. Uh, yeah. They want, you know, people to pay because they feel like they're not getting enough money from people using their intellectual property, such as critical role streaming, a streaming situation. They want royalties from that, essentially. The new CEO comes from Wizards of the Coast, which is, of course, the parent company that owned Dungeons and Dragons before being absorbed by the five-headed Tiamat that is known known as Hasbro. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that guy... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Being in his new position and going like, I made fucking money off of uh, Magic the Gathering, hand over fist. I can make money off of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons easily. You nerds, if you're doing your little critical roles and enough people are watching it, we need a cut of that. Like, yeah. Like, like the, saying the, things the, like that. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. The yeah. IP wasn't monetizing at the level they thought it should. Which, you know, terrible capitalist thing where there's like, Oh, people are enjoying our stuff, but they're doing it for free because, well, they bought the, you know, manuals and stuff, but now they're, you know, just having fun with it. Like you're supposed to like, have you noticed yeah. people really like off. this thing we made money off of, but not enough we money should be making more money. It's literally yeah. never been more popular than it has ever been in its history of existing yet. That's not good enough. Um, no. yeah. luckily they've also, retracted Hasbro a lot of that, a but it was a really yeah. greedy move. Yeah. Hasbro too. They've had yeah. some other, you know, questionable not moves. great things going on. So, but it might Your be a year for them because they've got, you know, Transformers Rise of the Beast coming yes. out soon. Did you get a trailer for that, Mike, at uh at Oh, this? of course. Of yeah, course. Yeah. They turned we got some good trailers. Universe, Ninja Turtles. Yep. Good trailer. Ninja Turtles. Looks great on yeah. a big screen, the Turtles trailer, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like that animation oh, yeah, style. The <laughs> animation looks amazing. But uh but back to, to the to sort of, yeah, yeah, wrap it up with the final yeah, thoughts. Um I wanted to shout out one moment that again I feel like we're talking about the comedy of it all, the MCU quippiness that people are kind of getting tired of. I feel like this movie is like better than like every MCU movie, especially like the last couple of years. Just like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a really solid popcorn blockbuster uh, that just, you know, it's not doing anything too like insane or like ambitious, but it's just really nailing what it is. Did- Jacob, did you see the Men in Black sequel with Chris Hemsworth and no. Tysa Thompson, who are Marvel it. stars? Mike, have you seen <laughs> oh, that? No, no, I haven't. I didn't know. I know. You got the Thor reunion, right? That is literally a blockbuster where I feel them going like, you can make this like Marvel, right? Just make the Marvel yeah. one of it. And you're like, that's the worst. If they had gone into this film with that attitude, it would have been disastrous. And they yeah. didn't. There's no, no scene where something happens and then a character goes, well, that just happened, you know, we're like, right, oh, right. he's right behind me, isn't he? There's nothing, there's no humor like that. That's just been overused. Like no. all the jokes in this really no work. Cliche. They're, yeah. They're like original. And again, they're just respectful of the source material in a way, but it's still really funny. And I wanted to point out one moment again, that really highlights Absolutely. this humor and also the dynamic of again, Holga and Ed's uh, relationship 
So after, you know, she goes to see her ex-husband, she's like a little bummed out. She comes mm-hmm. back out. He starts playing a song on the lute and singing, right? I really oh, like this. Yeah. Dude. In a lesser movie, you know, she would just like roll her eyes or there'd be something like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, but she instead just starts joining in with him and they just sing this song and it raises her spirits. And it's just this nice and moment. Jacob, the last scene for her is when she's dying. She takes her daughter and her life partner's hands and starts singing that song and they both sing it too. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah. Just want to shout that out and great movie. Go see it. Yeah. A lot of fun. I can't, I can't believe it. Yeah. I'll do my last thoughts before I have mentioned a couple things that I think would be cool that they didn't, they didn't take advantage of, but one D and D thing I forgot. He just grabs the, the, when they're doing the heist, he grabs the rune that he needs. It has an invisible little string. It's trapped. Always check for traps, guys. Come on. Always check for traps. You know how many boxes I've opened and gotten poison arrowed because I'm too excited. Like, come on. So great D and D stuff, but it's got so much heart. And again, we have Shazam 2, Black Adam, Ant-Man and the Wasp. This is better than all of those from what I yeah, can understand from 100%. the two that I haven't seen. But and this I is think the box getting better ratings. Is showing that because so Ant-Man had a big opening weekend, but then a huge drop off after the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, Shazam underperformed. But the things that are hitting right now, John Wick, Scream, this movie, all doing well at the box office so Both far. Paramount Scream people, and this. Yeah, I think people but, are kind of getting sick of superhero, these superhero movies. Not to say that yes. they can't be still, still be good ones. I think Guardians mm, I don't 3 think they can will, be. Be, will be good. Gar- this is, this will thing. be better than Guardians 3. That's my take. Probably. I, I would love that. That would really... Absolutely. I would be very excited if that was true. Here's That's the thing. Strong, I feel. We're talking about going again. Jacob's already said, like, <laughs> you should probably go again, man. Like, if you want to get that pocket, yeah. or popcorn AMC, bucket. Get that popcorn. In my mind, go, I baby. do... But here's the other thing. We didn't see it in 3D as we are kind of prone to do sometimes. Mm. But I have heard the IMAX for this is dope. Oh, I'm I sorry. I try to track that. Down. I saw this in IMAX. Yeah. And it was dope. Oh, you saw IMAX? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> that was cool. the one showtime that was available for me. And it was very sick. It looks great. Awesome. Yeah. Again, so it's I better that. than I ever expected. Better than it has any right to be. I thought it would be like like the Warcraft movie from a few years ago that Duncan Jones made that was not hey, very good. Yeah. You know, so many of these fantasy movies that just and don't. I, I've even been mean to Vox Machina, the critical role Amazon show on past ones. I'll, I'll come right. around and say in like the past two weeks, I've kind of restarted that animated series on Amazon and really enjoy it actually. So there is good D and D content, but uh, Jacob, I'm with you where it's like, Oh, Dungeons and Dragons movie, right? We haven't even mentioned the Dungeons and Dragons movie I saw in theaters as a kid. <laughs> right? No, it was not like this movie. <laughs> they, right. they, you would have to drag me to the theater in irons to get me to watch that again. Um, Jeremy, womp, womp. yeah. So there is also, um, I think it's Joe Manganiello is going to be doing a Dragon Lance, which is in the D and D universe, which could have a different tone, but we could see yes. many similar kind of the art style of this universe could become like its own fantasy setting is bringing the cinematic kind of uh, realms of D and D out there and Dragonlance will be in a different location. But so there's, there's stuff happening. Sure. I heard rumors of a TV show now, and, you know, and this is doing well. So this could become a big thing. I hope yeah. quality Mike, maintains. Netflix has that dragon age origins. What is that? That's a video game. That's dragon a video age game. Yeah. Is a video game. Bioware. Yeah. Um, is that it's a, not D and D? It's not D and D. Not a Netflix uh, has a, an animated of that. Dragon gotcha, Age is gotcha. its own fantasy uh, series that is has yeah. you know a lot of traditional tropes of fantasy, but okay, 
Um, but, again, this this game or this movie is set in the same world of the Baldur's Gate games, Neverwinter Nights, Icewind Dale. It's Run, you know, the sword. Should we host. run these characters? Should we play a game of Baldur's Gate 3 as... Probably. They yeah. have the character stat sheets. They have them online. Oh, published. really? That's oh, a that's fun great. thing to make. That's really cool. I would really do that. Cool. That's really cool. That's the only yeah. way we'll finally play online. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, to get us going, uh, we're almost at runtime of the movie, not quite yet. 15 more minutes, we'll get there. But Let's get out I want to... I have a question. D and D things that are cool. Do you know what a bag of holding is? For sure. Yes. We need that. The, the next thing, hijinks yep. with yes. a bag of holding. I'm hiding like a whole displacer piece in my bag. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. Infinite storage. Pocket a movable rod. You know, a movable rod. You put no, the rod down, it do? can't be moved, no matter what, unless the user moves oh. it. So you just put it in front of a train, not going anywhere. Just hijinks, right? Wow. And the final thing I would like to see in the next movie is the deck of many things. You know what that oh, is? Sure. Pull a card out, anything can happen, and you have to accept the fate. And you say how many okay. cards, and you have to do them all. They can buff you, they can fuck you up. It's just like this random wild cool. thing. So anyway, yeah. so they didn't even touch all like the main tropey stuff, I guess what I'm saying. They did There's such a good job. There's plenty of stuff that could be in a sequel, for Absolutely. Sure. There's so much there, and I endless, think they did a great job. Endless, endless, endless. Mm -hmm. like this episode, so I'll stop talking. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, Normie's... Please, last last bag. Go see this movie. Please. If you do, hit us up at normies underscore like underscore us and say, Olga was my favorite part when they played the Fast 10 trailer. I could barely recognize her because in my mind now she's Olga. I'd be like, yes, that's right. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And thanks for sticking with us on this episode of Morton Kynan's Pot of Bros. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah and just let we're gonna disarm gush about this movie right. um and by the link of this episode you know that we enjoyed it and yeah. uh yeah go see it i think everybody should support this it's it's a it's a movie that's doing something new and being true to the source material like they, they nailed it so yeah yeah congratulations. this is uh this is your host and i'm gonna go with a class i'd like to see in the next one this is colin the cleric this is uh oh good call that's really good Micromancer. <laughs> uh, Jacob, the wood elf ranger, and I have a tail. <laughs> elves can have tails. Think about it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let us know if you think elves can have tails, listeners. Catch you next time. Bye. 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 My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools!